long time ago on a podcast far, far away. Hi everyone, and welcome to the 21st episode of Slime Time Side Quest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Palladium 3. And this is Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Tonight we'll be blasting off at hyperspeed for this episode. You got that right, Yangus. But, you know, before we get started, I got a question for you. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, what's up? Well, you know how sometimes in life you gotta make, like, difficult choices... I mean, usually it might be, like, picking a certain side for, say, like, a sporting event, for example. Sure, that makes sense, you know. It's, I mean, it's like you and how you have all your favorite um, teams, like, you know, the different Florida teams that you're such a big fan of. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm on the side of some, and then screw the Florida Marlins. Yeah, oh, I, I see where this is going. So you want to, you uh, must want to know what my favorite teams are. Well, actually, you know, we did talk about that on... No, 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 this isn't about sports. I mean, I know I said that kind of, but sorry for that reference. I was actually going to ask you, what side are you on? What side am I on? I'm not sure what you're talking about. I mean, all this time and you've never noticed, have you? I mean, you never stopped to think about who I was siding with the entire time, who I was helping all these years. Plenty. I, I don't know what's gotten into you, man, but it's starting to scare me. This is really not like you. Come on, Yangus. You have to know what I'm referring to. <gasps> Play. No. You saying that? That you're on the. Yes! 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 Light bulb moment, Yangus. I'm on the dark side. No! That's not true! That's impossible! Search your feelings, Yangus. You know it to be true. I mean, how else do you explain that? heavy breathing problem i just had i mean it's not even allergy season it's it, you know being on the dark side of the force does have its downsides you know but, but play i don't understand why are you telling me all this why well that's easy see it's because we're talking about star wars tonight wait really we're talking about star wars no no no, no. star trek no 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 yeah Damn. star wars star wars yeah 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 Tonight, tonight, we're going to be talking about the original Star Wars movie trilogy, though, you know, like decades, decades old. Um, we're going to include episode four, A New Hope, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, and episode six, Return of the Jedi. Well, awesome. Great. Glad to hear uh, we'll be talking about those movies. Oh, boy. I got to tell you, after that awful Star Trek episode, I thought that. <laughs> hey, hey. I find your lack of faith in the Star Trek disturbing, Angus. It, you, you may be getting your Star Wars movie episode, but never forget the power of Star Trek. <coughs> uh, um, okay, I'll uh, uh, keep that in mind. Uh, just um, no more for force choking powers, please. I make no promises. Ooh, that's ominous. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, let's put that uh, scary thought behind us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, joining us tonight, we have two guests that will be standing by our side uh, to help us tackle this Death Star-sized episode. Flying in in red one, we have Brurian. You guys told me we were going to do a discussion on who the better Star Trek captain was, Picard or Kirk. What the hell? <laughs> we, may have, we may have tricked the guests tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Don't tell them that. <laughs> 
and parking uh, and walking alongside the Space Camel 15, we have Pendy. Wait, this is Star Wars? It's a trap. Oh, oh it was. He said the thing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, we're glad that you guys are here, but unfortunately we uh, did have uh, to unfortunately uh, cut, or not cut one of our guests. What am I saying? One of our guests unfortunately wasn't able to be here tonight because, well, she slipped into some carbonite and, you know, froze herself and got sent out to job of the Hutz Palace. So even though she's not going to be here uh, on the episode with us, we would like to, you know, keep Blue Star in our hearts as she's frozen in carbonite somewhere far away in the galaxy. She's with uh, us in spirit. Yeah, that's true. But you know who else is with us in spirit? Some of our guest stars. Um, you might hear uh, one of our famous guest stars going in here. Chewbacca. Yikes. You too, dude. Uh, we got Yoda with us tonight, too. Mm, happy to be here. I am being on Star Trek episode, but was canceled. I was. Uh, yeah, that was a bit unfortunate and uh not really canon um we're gonna even hear from jabba the hut tonight so i think that kirk is the best star trek captain because <laughs> you know what i like that better i like that better than what we had so let's just move on <laughs> I like you know what? Thing. Being on the dark side, that's a perfect line for the dark side. Screw it all. Screw plans. <laughs> just destroy it all. Burn it down. Talk trash. He, he was just so insulted by Jabba. <laughs> what Jabba the Hutt said. He's like, I think I think that Kirk is bitter. <laughs> Kirk would have just blasted Jabba the Hutt. Right, so I'm face. sorry. I can't. We can't control what Jabba says. <laughs> we can't understand him anyway. So and then. We don't have an interpreter like uh, C-3PO around to help us. No, no six million language uh, speakers here. Nope. Sadly not. Well, since we are going to be talking about uh, the series and specifically going to be talking about the original trilogy, uh, we actually have a few questions we're going to go over before we jump into the movies. So first things first, guys, how did you first learn about Star Wars? Uh, Penny, would you like to start us off? Sure. Uh, so I actually learned about them from my parents because uh, they were fans of the movies and uh, ended up seeing them when I was a, a little kid on TV. Very cool. I'm sure the, a lot of people out there have probably seen them like that or they heard about it from their parents. Uh, Brurian, what about you? It's more or less the same as Pendy. Um, I remember my dad renting um, episode four a lot, so we watched that one a whole bunch. So that's that's how I had first heard about Star Wars. Uh, what about you, Platty? I mean, far be it for me to deviate from the norm. It was uh, pretty much <laughs> the same thing. We had a. I, I remember when we were young. Uh, we had a cable box that you know somebody came around the neighborhood and handed out. You know, handed out quote unquote. And so we had HBO and Cinemax and everything or whatever their like was back in the early eighties. And, you know, you get a VCR, you tape what's on. And we, we had our bootleg copies of the uh, first couple movies. There you go. Well, unlike you guys, I also learned about um, star Wars from Pendy's parents. I found out from them. They told me I met them when I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> no all right sorry i had to make the joke um no how i learned about it was i was a little kid 
I didn't see them because of the movies or my parents really mentioning them. Uh, earliest that I can remember hearing about Star Wars for the first time was on one of the tapes of um, different shows and stuff that my parents had. Uh, there was an episode of The Simpsons from, I believe it's season three, where Homer and Marge are just, it's just before they're married, but they get pregnant and uh, they're going to have Bart. Uh, they go and see uh, Empire Strikes Back in theaters. And as they're leaving the theater, Homer makes the joke about, wow, who would have thought that Luke or that uh, Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? And everybody's all mad at him, like, oh, you spoiled the movie, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's the earliest that I can remember learning about Star Wars and saw bits and pieces of them over the years. Uh, but I also do remember as a kid playing Rogue Squadron on the Nintendo 64, which was, um, I think it's supposed to be a game that takes place like between episode four and five, I think. Because Luke Skywalker's in charge of the the X Wings and uh, that group that helps with the Rebels, uh, but I'll, I'll talk more about that later on the uh, later on in the episode. So yeah, I think we pretty much all do have the same sort of uh, experiences. I think with a lot of people, they usually hear about it from their parents or might be something that they just sort of discover. Like I, I would assume that with uh, you know younger generations nowadays, that they're probably able to see it pretty easily on or learn about the series. Excuse me. Uh, thanks to all the different streaming services or thanks to shows that have been on like uh, the Disney Channel or on Cartoon Network from a few years ago. But um, moving away from that, the next question we had was, do you remember the first time you watched the movies, whether it was the originals or any of the um, enhanced remakes or anything like that? Well, basically, when was the first time you guys can remember watching these movies? Um, so, let's start with, um, how about we start with you, Brewery? So, I remember what, I was probably somewhere between 8 or 10, like I said, with how I was introduced to them. I've only ever actually seen the original series on VHS. I've never seen any of the remasters or, you know, Blu-ray, DVD or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so... Yeah, basically just the, v, the 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 original release of the VHSs is the only versions of these movies I've ever seen. And it's not out of a lack of want to see them on newer uh, formats. It's just, <laughs> that's just how it played out. Oh, yeah. Do you still have those VHSs or were they your parents? Uh, I don't have the ones I had when I was a kid, but I remember about five or so years ago, I wanted to see the movies again because, uh, you know, the, the new trilogy was coming out and... Uh, I went to a, a store to probably buy the DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever they had there, and they were all 60 to $90. So I went to a used goods store, and they had the original release VHSs for all three movies for like 10 bucks. So I bought those. And oh, wow. Like I said, it's just kind of worked out that way. That's a good deal on that. That's yeah. pretty cool, especially that you found them, too. And, uh, you know, not only for that price, but I assume that they must have been in uh, nice condition. Then. You know, if you're yeah. – yeah, yeah. Keep them and watch them again and over and over. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're not the original. They're not the like super original CBS whatever releases, but yeah. they are pre-digital remaster versions. So I've never even seen the digital remasters of these movies. I've only ever seen the, I guess, what you would consider the theatrical versions of Star Wars 4, 5, and 6. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. That's cool that you found them, too, especially if you were trying to find them again, you know, years later. So, hey, that's... Well, a I, it wasn't... It, it was less... 
I don't want to watch the new versions. It was, I don't want to pay the money for the new versions, so I went the cheap oh. route. <laughs> well, either way, it's still cool you found the originals like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially if you were trying to hunt them down. You know, didn't have to pay, like, a crazy price for them or something. That's that's true, yeah. Um, Let's see. How about we then go with you, Platty? What about you? All right. For some reason... I have going to the beach and then coming home and watching these movies on VHS, like really indelibly linked in my brain. I mean, we li- I grew up half a mile from uh, the Gulf of Mexico over there on the west coast of Florida. So, I mean, we went to the beach all the time when we were a kid and it was just down the street. Sometimes we would just walk. It would take 10 minutes to walk to the beach or just hop in the back of the station wagon and one minute drive you were there. Um, but I, re- I really remember watching the first movie, you know, New Hope, especially, um, like go to the beach, come home, watch that on the weekend or something like that. And I, I you know, who knows if these are planted memories or not, but I, I really vividly recall being, um, at my grandmother's house when I was five and dropping my sister off or picking her up. And like, this was one of the big times I got to go to the movies with like just my dad or my mom and dad. And we went and saw, um, not Empire Strikes Back, we saw Return of the Jedi in the theaters. So again, this is my memory from like five years old. So, you know, (laughs) take it or leave it. But I'm like, I I actually remember being at like my grandmother's house and she watched my two-year-old sister. Well, we went all to the movies to do this. And like going back and looking at the uh, year that it came out, I'm like, yeah, this probably was because I think I was almost six by that time. It was later in the year and so hmm. I, I i don't really remember being in the theater but i like remember the whole what it took for us to go to the theater and drop off my little sister um to go see it but yeah it was i watched them very early i very early on that's cool that you have like you know kind of that memory of going to see it in the theaters too even if you like you don't really remember <laughs> sitting in the theater and watching it you know that's still cool that you have that story you can share with one of your like yeah like we bring up return of the jedi and that like immediately pops in the head like oh i saw that in theaters i remember being at my grandmother's house dropped my sister off well well i guess now we know what one of platy's uh iconic moments from (laughs) would be (laughs) (laughs) um um for myself i'm again kind of like with how early i was introduced i don't exactly remember i'm pretty sure i saw bits and pieces of the movies over the years but like when i was younger but I couldn't really tell you which one they came from, uh, like what scenes would come from what movie. Mm-hmm. But the first time that I did get to sit down and fully watch them was when I got uh, the trilogy on Blu-ray as a gift one year, uh, along with a Blu-ray player, just uh, just like a little one. And I remember that was the first time I was able to sit down and fully watch uh, new, you know, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi back to back. And I kind of remember, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this scene. Or, oh, this is the scene, you know, that they referenced in such and such. Because that, unfortunately, that was my experience for the longest time, was just seeing people talk about it or being referenced here and there. So even though it was um, the enhanced, like or like the remasters, whatever you want to call them, of Star Wars, the original trilogy, it was still really cool to be able to watch those movies and have them, you know, in this little collection to watch these original. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a proper name for that trilogy, but it was cool to get to watch the original trilogy in some form. But that's how that's how I remember starting. I think it was. Oh goodness, woman! That been like 2010, 2011. Would Blu-rays have been around by then? You guys yeah, have any idea? I, 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 if if they were around, it was the very very early days of Blu-ray. Okay, because yeah. it, it was but, it was around the time that I think HD DVD and Blu-ray were kind of duking it out as the next format. 
Okay. It might have been 2012 or 20. It might have been right when I started up college or was it yeah, in high school, it's, too. It's, it's, uh, Blu-ray release was uh, 2010. You had 2010, it right. okay. Yeah. It, it might have been like 2011, 2012 or something like that, but... Either way, that's how I first got the experience to watch them, and, and um, I'll probably talk about this a bit more. But that's kind of what made me a fan of Star Wars, and was getting actually to you know watch these original movies that you know that uh, you know some of you guys watched when you were kids, or like what other people you know really got into when they were younger or about my age or so. So it was it was cool to see that you know even though it was like years later. Uh, but what about you, Pendy? When was the first time you watched the movies? So for me. Um... First time I watched it, I had a little black and white TV set up in my bedroom when I was in elementary school uh, to start out with, and uh, I was a, I actually saw them that way. It was the most uncinematic way possible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw them, uh, saw them black and white on my little TV when they were airing on uh, one of the network channels at the time when I was in elementary school. So um, I did get to see them in theaters too. I saw them in theaters when they did the big theatrical re-releases uh, starting in 1997 when they added all those digital effects and, and whatnot. That's that is pretty cool. I I didn't remember that they re-released the movies in theaters, but I guess they probably did that for the like build up to the prequel trilogy, didn't they? Yeah, it was a it was a big deal back then when they they had them in theaters. Uh, they did all three movies and like the a lot of the digital effects that they did it was almost kind of like a, a practice run for the the prequels when they when they did them. So yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I guess it kind of would have been because you know those movies had a lot more practice or um, digital effects. But we're getting off topic if we're going to start talking about the prequel movies. <laughs> we, we don't want to talk about those ones tonight. We're going to just focus on the original trilogy here. <laughs> <laughs> so save save the batter for later. <laughs> oh, hot hot take there. <laughs> yeah. just, so just before, firing off some stuff for my Tie Fighter. <laughs> all right, before we break out the fist of cuffs and start watching a, a fight go down, uh, let's talk uh, real quick to end off our questions here at the beginning. Let's talk about what uh, the most iconic thing about Star Wars is to you when you hear somebody mention it. So you know. You know, for some people, it might be the Star Wars theme. For some people, it might be a particular scene from one of the movies. Uh, basically, like the first thing that when somebody says Star Wars, you know, what immediately pops into your head. So how about we start with you this time, Platty? What is the first, what's the most iconic thing about Star Wars to you? Uh, you know, the opening score, first off. But, um, and this will be somewhere where I'm sure I deviate from the norm. I read so many books in the 90s and early 2000s from the whole Star Wars expanded universe. I I mean, I can't even tell you how many. They used to release them in trilogies. That was like a big thing um, when they really got into writing a lot of Star Wars books. There's, you know, sure there'd be a lot of one-off novels, but there would be trilogies of novels that would come out over the span of about a year or so. And, man, I had... I'd spent so much money in, like, high school and college... I had like a full shelf of like hardcover that I'd spend like $18 on uh, copies of these novels and read the whole trilogy once or twice. And just the whole expanded universe that and e- each one like affected everything else. They they actually, you know, is a whole big thing before a lot of other series and everything isn't, you know, now everything's interconnected like the Marvel cinematic universe, but the whole extended universe, like every book would start off with like 18 years after, um, a new hope or 24 years after a new hope or something like that. It'd be, it'd, there'd be a whole timeline and everything. And the characters age. And I remember, um, some of the kids, the kids that were born and, 
heck, I've got a kid in my class for the past couple years that was named after one of uh, Leia's sons in the Expanded Universe books because I saw the spelling of his name. I'm like, dude, your mom's a big Star Wars fan, right? And he's like, yeah, that's how I got my name. Like, yep. Well, hey, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, I mean, more than, you know, a couple hours and watching these shows. And I mean, like I said, I, re- I remember seeing those original movies a long time ago. But no, I've spent hundreds of hours with the book series. So you could say that you're you're, you're kind of a fan. You know, since about 2000, like, when did the prequel trilogy end? Like I could almost three, 2004, something like that. Yep. I, I can almost draw a line right there and say after that, I've really not paid attention. I mean, I saw the newer movies once each, but I've not read a book, not really kept up with it since then. But up until that point. Oh, up until that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I loved Star Trek, but and read all those books, too. But like they were kind of neck and neck. They were they were definitely two big things. And then after a while, that just it went away. There wasn't enough content. Oh, kind of switched over to the. Or I guess not switched over. Kind of you just went like, oh, I'm just going to go with Star Trek from here out. Uh, you know, I had like 700 episodes of TV <laughs> compared to <laughs> six movies. That was it. I had, I had a bunch of books, but, you know, I had a bunch of Star Trek novels, too. And, uh, you know, six six movies compared to, you know, 600 episodes. It was a little like, eh. Yeah. Well, I guess if you had stuck with it a bit longer, I mean, you would have been able to watch like the Clone Wars uh, TV show that was on Cartoon Network, which I've actually heard as, as a pretty good uh, series. I'm not trying to. Yeah, I got through now, one but... season of that, and it was it was good. It just was. Yeah, I was like, I, that's when I could tell that like my the, Star Trek fandom it's safely we, ensconced yeah. in the past. We, we, yeah, we kind of just started going to one towards the other. We, we can kind of we can we can talk a little bit more off off podcast about that since we're just sticking to the main <laughs> to the main ones here, but. <laughs> I, I do have some comments on that. <laughs> I have concerns. Well, Brewery, since you have some thoughts and comments, how about you tell us your most iconic things when you think of Star Wars? I'm. Platy says he's going to be the one to deviate. I'll deviate even further. I don't have one. I don't have any one thing that I think about when someone says Star Wars. Hmm. So, if if this we're going to be for some interesting podcast talk. Yeah, if we're gonna be, if I we're have gonna nothing. Be, if yeah, not, have it's nothing. not that I we have, have nothing. nothing. It's just I don't. You know, when someone, if someone goes Dragon Quest, I can be like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got like, I've got like two or three big things. But when you go Star Wars, I've never really had a uh, just like this moment right here was like the oh moment for me or anything like that. But I've had a, I've had a few, mo- few moments in watching the movies that made me think like just, just how like talking about this now it immediately pops up to me when leia's with the ewoks leia comes out she has braided hair which goes can ewoks braid human hair <laughs> asking the deep philosophical questions can they braid hair I like but, finally hair long enough to do this to they're like <laughs> <laughs> just just re- silly stuff like that when i think about star wars um oh, that's i all. guess i guess the, right i, I guess, mean if you think about that stuff i mean when you think when someone mentions the series i mean you're, you're well, paying attention to it and trying to pay attention well, to the details. It, it more or less comes across to me as I'm paying more attention to the obvious plot holes in the movies than the actual iconic <laughs> moments. But I, I guess if I had to go with an iconic moment, I would obviously, for me, well, I don't know if it's obvious to you guys, but I would I would say the meeting between Solo and Greed, uh, Greedo, uh, their meeting 
uh, before they leave, or <laughs> Solo leaves with Luke and uh, Obi Wan to, you know, get out of uh, get out of wherever they're at. But that's always been a point of contention, you know, who shot first, whatever. And I've seen the DVD edits, the mm-hmm. awful DVD edits of of them moving. Han Solo's head, like digitally, slightly to the side as as Greedo fires first. <laughs> so bad. So, yeah, I, I, like just to jump ahead just quickly uh, for the notes, we do actually like three of us did make comments in the notes about <laughs> about that particular scene. Well, okay, I think well, I think well, mine was a little more goofy because of one of the changes they made on Disney on uh, Disney Plus. But we'll, we'll we'll get to that part. We'll get, well, to, that we'll, part. We'll get to that. But <laughs> if we're gonna say iconic moments, I always come back to. I always come back to that. Is there any like characters or anything that if someone says Star Wars, you would think of too? Because iconic, you it could be like just. I you know what? Uh, If you mention a Star Wars character, I don't remember. I don't think this guy was in the original trilogy, but I always think of Kit Fisto for some reason. Oh, that's not ringing a bell for who that. Yeah, I don't think he was. I don't think he's in the original trilogy at all. So. Well, sorry, I'm I'm a bad guest. No, 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 you're fine. (laughs) You know, everybody's going to have different things when they, you know, with this kind of question. So, I mean, you know, I'm fine with that. I I mean, I don't care what you say for your answer on that one. Everybody's going to have a different response to it anyway. But anyways. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, uh, Pendy, look. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was I was going to finish thought out, the thought out with. But anyways, against Kirk, I think Picard has several merits that we <laughs> don't explore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for at some point you're going to be like, well, you know, Janeway has these sort of things going. <laughs> All right. Well, Pendy, you have a bit of a list here. I see quite a few different things to mention. So why don't you tell us, you know, what are some of the iconic things to Star Wars to you when somebody mentions the series? Yeah, and I, yeah, so I'm kind of in the same way where like I just don't have any one thing. It's just so many things uh, at the same time for me. So like when I think of Star Wars, I think of the lightsabers. I think of Darth Vader, Millennium Falcon, Chewbacca, R2-D2, R2-D2, C-3PO. But uh, last but certainly not least, definitely the music. I mean, John Williams, who the composer is for the Star Wars music, you know, the scores for those movies like lift them up all to another level as far as I'm concerned. The music is almost like another character in the movies. I mean, he's done some of the best movie scores in cinema history. You know, Jaws, E.T., a bunch of different famous movies, but famous movie scores. But these Star Wars scores are certainly some of his best. So, I mean, that's what I think of uh, when I think of iconic uh, things when it comes to Star Wars. Okay. Kind of get the whole gambit, basically. You kind of cover a little bit of this and that. I like mm-hmm. it. Uh, for myself, whenever I think of Star Wars or somebody mentions it, I definitely think of characters. Uh, two in particular that I always think of are Darth Vader and Yoda. One, because I like doing the Yoda voice. <laughs> it's fun to do it. Yes. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yoda was me the whole time. Ha 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 ha. But I've always liked how, you know, I- I've always kind of liked like the old teacher sort of character. That'll like, but even though he's, it might be a little uh, wacky with some of his ideas or the way he acts and stuff, I Yodo is probably one of my favorite examples of that particular character, and I think he is like in the movies itself. He's a, he's got a cool performance. You know, Frank Oz both puppeteers him in the original trilogy and is the voice for him. He does a great job with that. But with Darth Vader, you know, whenever anybody brings up like villains too, or if they mention Star Wars, like Darth Vader is one of the first ones I think of because he has that you know cool kind of iconic look. It his helmet almost reminds me a bit of like a Pharaoh helmet in a way, 
you know, it's all covered in black, but he's got like a mixture of like the old and new with the technology bits and pieces of it that gives him the heavy breathing, things like that. Uh, but those are definitely the two characters that I immediately think of. And when everybody, anybody mentions the series, that those are the first two that always pop into my head. Uh, other thing that I didn't have listed, but I'll go I'll echo it with what uh, uh, Pendy was talking about, was the music. Uh, particularly, I always think about that scene in uh, New Hope where Luke is looking off on the horizon on uh, his home planet. And he's looking off into the sunset. There's the two suns and that John Williams music like swells and plays over that scene as Luke's kind of standing there thinking about things, or at least how Mark Hamill plays that scene and kind of acts, it looks like Luke is sort of undecided and he's uh, looking on the horizon trying to look for new things, you know, but feeling like he's stuck at home and not being able to leave after everything that's been going on at the beginning parts of the movie and after the, some of the conversations he has with his aunt and uncle. That's That particular song is always stuck in my mind. I don't know what the name of it is, unfortunately, but hopefully you guys know what scene I'm, I'm talking about, what song I'm kind of talking about. Um but yeah, that would those would be my things. Definitely good old Yoda and evil old Darth Vader. Let's see. Well, that covers the opening question. So I think it's time we dive in and start actually talking about these here movies. So what better place to start off when with the first Star Wars movie, uh, Episode 4, A New Hope. So to give a little quick summary about the movie... Um, this, you know, it's kind of the, what sets up the rest of the Star Wars movies up to that point. Or, sorry, it sets up the characters that you'll be following, the story of how the Empire is, has this tight-fisted control over the galaxy and how there's this small rebellion team, uh, just simply referred to as the Rebels, who are going up against the Empire and trying to free, you know, different planets and systems from their iron-fisted control. Uh, you begin the movie with one of these ships being attacked, uh, Princess Princess Leia, who's one of the main characters, uh, is being targeted, and she sends her uh, me uh, plea message for rescue uh, to a man named Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, off with the robots uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO, who managed to escape on a uh, escape pod. Princess Leia gets captured by Darth Vader and his men. She gets taken off to the Death Star, which is the Empire's uh, big new sort of secret weapon of sorts that they're going to start using to you know, further uh, expand their control and to strike fear into all the planets and stuff. Uh, that's meanwhile, no what? That's no moon. <laughs> that's no moon. That's a space station. <laughs> Thank you, Obi Wan. <laughs> but um, anyway, the two uh, robots end up landing on the is the is it Tatooine? That's the name of the planet, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. So, I was hoping I had the right name. Um, they they land on the planet Tatooine and they end up getting kidnapped by Jawas. Uh, they're then taken Utini. to... Uh, Utini! <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> we should have just had uh, Pendy on sound effects. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um... Anyway, they get uh, kidnapped by the Jawas. Uh, that's how they then end up meeting Luke Skywalker, who is the protagonist of the series. Uh, they're bought and they end up going searching for Obi-Wan uh, the next day because R2-D2 runs off. Uh, they then end up going to Mos Eisley. They meet Han Solo and Chewbacca. There's the Greedo shooting scene, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Uh, they end up escaping. They end. Uh, uh, the group then ends up on the Death Star along with Princess Leia and Darth Vader. You get to learn a bit about uh, the plans of the Death Star, you know, what the Death Star is capable of. Uh, there's big, there's a big old escape scene and a big escape plan to try and get Princess Leia out of there. Uh, Obi-Wan, you know, tries to stall Darth Vader, unfortunately dies. They escape, and eventually the Rebels 
begin their assault on the Death Star. They manage to blow it up after some, you know, interference from the Empire attacking them and from Darth Vader himself coming after them. Uh, eventually, they manage to blow the Death Star up by hitting its one weak spot. Uh, that Death Star, you know, just big old explosion. They save the day, and we end on the scene with everybody looking at the camera during the award ceremony, uh, all nice and well-dressed up. The happy music and celebration music plays, and then we cut to credits. So, kind of a, I think it was Mark Hamill who described this as the kind of the classic story of, you know, the hero is chosen and comes to save the day. And it's very much like just a very, you know, like a classic fantasy source sort of story, but with all of the exciting elements to it and all like the, you know, all the aliens, all the robots, all the different places they go to kind of the espionage sort of stuff when they're in the Death Star sneaking around that you kind of get a little bit of everything with A New Hope. And I do have to like agree with his sentiment on that. So with all that said, is there anything in particular that you guys want to talk about with A New Hope? We need to just jump right into it, Han or Greta. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, since three of us have notes on that, yeah, we probably should. You know um, what's great? Because I've been I was just sitting here Googling while we're talking about that. If you Google Han shot first, um, Google pops up with the, uh, you know, did you mean to type Greedo shot first? And there's a link right there. It says, did you mean Greedo shot first? Here's the kicker, though. If you Google Greedo shot first, it pops up with, did you mean Han shot first? <laughs> you can just sit here clicking on links going back and forth to the whole thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> Google's in on it, man. <laughs> So who, there's, who, even who, a, there's even a picture of uh, uh, you guys who are watching the video or who, you know, are listening to this line are going to be able to see this. But Platy actually shared a picture of him with R2-D2 in our chat. So that's pretty cool. Yep. I, I can talk about that more. Oh, sorry, did I spoil, did I spoil, I'm sorry. Did I know no. what you were going to talk about? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really have to do with the first movie. But uh, no, I, I think I've said it before. I teach uh, coding and robotics and we had a new music teacher four years ago. This is 2018. And at one point, her kids were like volunteering with me in the afternoon. And she's like, you know, we got a friend of the family who's got R2-D2. I was like, what are you talking about? And um, got him on campus one afternoon and for one of my after school coding classes. And it was cool. I mean, it was a life size R2-D2. It, he rolled it right off the back of his truck, remote controlled it all the way in my, to my classroom. It beeped. It made all the different things. The remote control he had like was the size of a laptop. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> probably like five times heavier. Had more buttons and gauges on it. And he said he was part of a group in Florida that just they would meet up every now and then and there was like experts and all this different kind of stuff. And like, if somebody new was like joining the group, um, usually it was something that they could bring to the table. Like, Oh, this guy knows how to, uh, hide a speaker in a better part. You know, he's got, he's got expertise in the speakers and they'd all get together. Uh, and someone, you know, someone would say, here's all the parts you got to buy. And, if they could assemble a rough outline, they had a guy in the group that was excellent at doing shading and painting and could put the blaster um, scar basically on him. Somebody else was good at mechanizing the head to get it to turn because a lot of the uh, a lot of them just had very immobile heads at the time. And some people were better at putting better at putting circuit boards in and hooking up the all the different stuff. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. I want to say he's spent something like three four four thousand dollars on it total um, but oh, yeah crap. yeah I, I mean 
it looked like it rolled right off a movie set into the classroom. I was going to say, looking at your picture, it's very well detailed. It looks like it could be like one straight from the movie. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Just like, yeah. just like picked him up and like pulled him right out of the screen or something. <laughs> and he, and he had cool. some pictures of like how some of these were just like household appliances. Like, hey, look at this little knob here. Really, it's like a Gatorade cap or something like that. Just painted silver. So it, it was uh, it was really neat to have that in there. Very course, really, that, that is that's really neat. Yeah, I, I know one of the kids that was on my robotics team at the time spent like 20 minutes after pretty much everybody else had gone home just chatting with this guy. And over like the next two years, he just he was a member of all the he was like eight at the time. And I think he's in like seventh grade now. But even now, he'll still talk to me about like, I'm still in these groups. I read about it. I see what they're building now and how they can do this and how they can do that. Like, at least for one kid that like has made a four year lasting impression. Just having this thing roll in for an hour after school one day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Let's see. Well, Pendy, you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and on our notes in here, Platty, all he has is Han shot first. More heroes should be killers. <laughs> yes, yes. Imagine if Batman rolls up to a scene and there's the Joker, like, like, ah, ha, ha, I'm gonna do this, and he just pulls out a gun and shoots the guy. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> right. <laughs> Superman shows up. Lex Luthor hits him with the heat vision. The end. I mean, doesn't make for good cinema or anything, but, you know. <laughs> we have no Greedo plot line in Star Wars, and maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that was such that was such a stupid change that they did. I mean, uh, Greedo even pretty much says he's going to kill him right before Hans, you know, shoots him. So he's, you know, pretty, pretty damn justified in, in shooting him mm-hmm. before he gets shot himself. But I, I don't know. I, I I just don't see why they insist on on doing that. It was, it was a good character moment, and uh, I'm I'm. It's too bad that they went and ruined that. Um, I'm also not a big fan since we're talking about changes that how they replaced like at the very end of the movie where they show you know everyone, uh, or was it was it that one? No, oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're gonna talk about. That. Yeah, wait, 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 I'll, I'll save that. I'll save that. That's right. Okay. That's a different movie. <laughs> different movie. Yep. But, so, yep that's, no, that's at the end of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll go in a different direction then. But yeah, I love this movie. Um, it's really good. I had such a, a great time uh, watching it. Uh, I watched these these movies uh, again before uh, doing this podcast and going back and, and seeing them again and, and seeing all the great character moments and things in these movies is, was excellent. Um, Obi, you know, Obi Wan and the, his performance by that actor, like. Is tremendous and it's just this is a fun movie mm-hmm. it was a great start to the the whole the whole trilogy it really was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. agreed for sure i will say real quick i don't remember obi-wan's actor unfortunately what is i know what his name is but i did see a movie of uh he was in it's a, it's a british movie called the lady killers and he is the leader of this um uh, i wouldn't say they're thieves a gang of thieves but they're kind of like plotters and they're gonna steal all this money from a train uh that's passing through in the station they're staying at this old woman's house he plays the leader of this group and it's really interesting seeing him much younger you know and especially without like all of the 
you know, the, his facial hair that he has in Star Wars and, you know, those mm-hmm. big robes and everything he's wearing. I think, is, is it Alec, Alec Guinness? Is that his yes. name? Yes, yes, that's, okay. that's his name. And Thank also you. another great movie to catch him in, which, which is also another famous movie, uh, just in its own right, is A Bridge Too Far. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go see that movie, that's an uh, excellent movie that has him in it as well, as long, as long, uh, along with, another, with an, a lot of other great actors. Okay. Yeah, I was... Um... That's that's good to know he's in that one. I didn't know about that one, but yeah, he's he's also really good in that Lady Killers movie, which it's probably not as well known over here. But it, I watched that not too, or what was it? A few months ago, I watched that. It's in the winter time or early spring, I believe, and it was actually like it was one of those like funny dark comedy sort of movies where just like terrible things keep happening one by one to all these guys in the gang who are trying to get the money for themselves once they get it, and he he. He's a, he, Alec Guinness's character. He is like such a slime ball, but you can't help but you know watch him and root for him, kind of, because he's just he's so devious with the way he smiles and everything. But um, anyway, getting back to Star Wars, I do have to agree with you, Pendy. Like I, I actually was watching this movie yesterday in preparation for today, and it's amazing. Like even though I hadn't watched this movie in, in quite a while, how much stuff like still kind of stuck with me, scene wise, like when this was going to happen or when that was going to happen. And, you know, again, kind of like what you mentioned with Obi-Wan and how his performance, you know, how he really sticks out to you. He always sticks out to me whenever I watch it, like the first scene where he shows up and, you know, he, even though he kind of like uses, I don't know how, what he does to scare off the sand people. Like if he makes like some sort of, I don't know if that's like the force or if that's just him yelling like, Oh, uh, yes, this is him making noises, and it's it's weird that they actually, they changed what noises he made, depending on what version you watched. <laughs> oh, they did? Okay, they did. Okay. I just happened to, I just happened to run into that. I, I was watching a YouTube uh, video on, like, the differences between the versions, and, and noticed that, because I remember, because I was watching when I, I just, like, my local library here in, in the base I'm at in Saudi Arabia, I just picked up some DVDs and, and watched them again, and it's one of the newer digital versions. And he was yelling at the, the sand people, and I'm like, what? That, that sounds different. And I went back, and I was like, oh, they, they changed the sound effect. Okay, but yeah. Oh, and just to correct, to correct myself before I forget, I'm getting my bridge movies confused. The, not, it wasn't a bridge too far that Alec Guinness was in. It was the bridge on the River Kwai. Though a bridge too far is also <laughs> a good movie about bridges and war. Uh, but it was the bridge on the river quiet. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> All righty then. But yeah, you know, I always, I always wondered about that crazy sound he made in a new hope. Because in all the versions I've seen, you know, you see him like starting to come walk over the rocks, and you just hear him go like, like this crazy loud roar sound. It's like a human being should not be able to make that noise. <laughs> like it doesn't sound human at all. <laughs> that would probably be why they probably changed it then, the digital version. But um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff when rewatching it just yesterday that I was like, oh yeah, I remember this part. Oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Like I really, I what sticks out to me with the movie the most too since I was more so kind of listening to it than actually like watching it, watching it, was how many sound effects that I was able to pick up on and be like, oh, that's that thing or that's that one. Like the like uh, the Jawa noises where they're going like, ooh, teeny, and things like that. Or um, the different robots, you can kind of be like, oh, this must be, you know, where they're uh, getting all the robots out by Luke's house. Or, oh, here's the part where, you know, they're sneaking through, um, or like they're kind of leading Chewbacca down to the prison area. So I will oh, say, yeah. like, sound design-wise, it does have some pretty good moments to it as well. And I think Star Wars has a lot of really cool sound effects. Oh, yeah, I came up with so many great sound effects for these movies. Like, the, the what, it, what when it comes to, like, the, the space fighters or the, the lightsaber or Darth Vader mm-hmm. breathing. Like, there's so many iconic sound effects that came out of these movies. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've always liked the like the blaster sound effects for the different ships. Like mm-hmm. it, it. <laughs> my favorite comparison I've seen is that whenever you hear a rebel ship shoot a laser, that sometimes it sounds like what mustard would sound like getting shot through a water gun. <laughs> <laughs> but like the. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to mention real quick, uh, since we've already talked about it a little bit with the Han and Greedo scene, so. They like we've said, it's kind of been changed over the years. Like originally, Han shot first, then it was changed to like Greedo shot first. Han's head like slightly moved and digitally, blah blah blah. Well, when I watched it on Disney Plus uh, for the very first time after I got the the service, I noticed that there was an immediate change in that scene. Where now, when they're getting done talking and just before they shoot, they added in Greedo for some reason, saying, and "I'm probably not going to say it exactly the right way, but like it says, he says like Nagunki or something like that." And I remember watching it on Blu-ray because I'm like, okay, he does not say that, right? I watched my Blu-ray copy. He doesn't say that. So all I can think of is, did George Lucas think it was really important that Greedo said something before they shot? Like, <laughs> like what is Nagunki supposed to mean? <laughs> oh, they didn't subtitle that? Whatever it was? No, there's no subtitle. It just... Like it's it's clearly reused footage of him going of like his mouth movement, um, and he just says Nagunki, and I'm like, is it supposed to be an insult of some kind? Is it supposed to be like he's saying like a bad word to Han Solo? We're not supposed to know what he's saying. Like, what what was the point of that scene, George? Why did we need that like two seconds of cut back to Greedo going Nagunki? Oh oh, I actually did some research on this to because oh. I had heard about I had heard about that before, and what he was actually saying is that. He prefers Picard as the top Star Trek captain. Because... <laughs> you know what? Well, Solo's always a Kirk guy, so you had to go. So Gre- you can't say so that Greedo's shit like, in front of a Kirk fan. Oh, of course, shot first. He couldn't let that stand. Hey, oh, by the way, are we going to ignore the blatant racism at the end of the movie? Oh, well, 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 how Chewbacca didn't get a medal? Is that what you're talking Chewbacca about? doesn't get a medal. Oh, he doesn't. What the right. hell? I forgot about that. <laughs> That, I didn't yeah, even that's think what, about that one. That's that's what Pindy was talking about earlier. I think I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. In the original <laughs> one, yeah, Chewbacca does not get the medal, and in later editions of the movie, they digitally edit in him having a medal. <laughs> I, I, oh my god, I have to pay attention that. to that. I might have one. to check that out again after we get done. <laughs> yep, he, he I, you know, they they give Luke one, they give Han one, but you know, Chewbacca who was right there flying the ship too, no matter. They give did they give one to R2-D2? I mean, he did risk his, his life to help repair Luke's X-Wing. Did he get a medal? They're just droids. Oh, that's they, racist. They, <laughs> that's robot. He got some, he got some WD-40. <laughs> is, that, is that the robot equivalent to a medal? <laughs> it's, it's premium, high-grade WD-40. Top yep, shelf. There you go. Yep. You got a little spit and polish. Huh. That's interesting, though. I did not know about that Chewbacca thing. I I guess I never really thought about you know him also getting a medal for you know helping out and stuff. I, I guess I'll have to look at, pay attention to that next time I or or when I turn the like watch the end of the movie again or see if like there's a difference thing online to see that. I guess I never noticed that before. But I, <laughs> I never even thought about that either. So <laughs> the, the only the only oh, real man. the only real. Uh, glaring plot plot hole for me that for this movie uh, that I, I noticed recently was how like in the beginning of the movie where the the two droids they escape in the beginning and they go to Tatooine like they they're they uh, the Empire sees the escape pod and like uh oh should we shoot this down and then I was like oh no no the scanners say that there's no life aboard so don't worry about it 
it's probably just a malfunction or whatever. But then when they sneak board later in the movie to to, to get in, uh, in the when they get captured in the Millennium Falcon on the uh, the Death Star, they uh, they they go they go in and it's like, hey, there's nobody here. You're like maybe they uh, they escaped in like an escape pod or something like that. But apparently they forgot that they had the technology to just they could just see if there's life you know life on the ship or not. But, but it's whatever. <laughs> it's not, they were hiding not, under the grate. Yeah, we call yeah. that we call that convenient amnesia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wait, you guys, but you guys can just scan and see if there's somebody in there. Oh, we have that technology. I forgot. Okay, oh, we have the technology. Just send some people in in here with some stuff. And they didn't they didn't change the batteries on their technology checker. So I mean, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it was a long time ago. You know, they might not have had the right technology to make sure that was going to work okay every single time. So before we move on to the next movie, though. Since I did mention that reading the Star Wars books is like the one thing that I remember, I found this pretty quickly. So there was a book, an original novel written in 1978 um, between like it came out after the first movie, obviously, before anything else came out. And it mainly was um, Leia and Luke going on a mission together. And, you know, reading it, I I didn't read it in 78 because I was about one month old. Uh, but as I was older, in my early teens or whatever, reading this, and then, of course, you know, knowing the whole story of the trilogy, they had so much in there about, like, Luke and Leia, like, are they, are they in love? Oh. You know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what? I was going to jokingly ask, it's like, oh, did they, like, get it on or something? Or <laughs> Because that's, like, watching the all three movies, like mm-hmm. back to back it's really weird it's like oh and at the beginning it's like oh they must not have had that planned out that they were going to end up being siblings because it they seems didn't. a little too much where i don't like, believe oh. they did no no i mean they they like he lucas you know came up with the first movie and and did all of that and but he never gave a second thought to like what he was going to do next until he started writing the second movie so a lot of those ideas didn't come until later so <laughs> that's that's why you, you go back and like oh my god that's a little little disturbing why why would they why would they do that but it's because they hadn't thought of that plot line at, at the time so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny with all the changes then that they've made to the movie they have never changed that <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I I just thought that's kind of funny that that the book actually kind of did the will they won't they sort of thing. Plenty, that's funny. Oh yeah, and, and reading one little note uh, that I didn't notice back then, but um, I guess now I kind of remember some of the plot here. Han Solo wasn't in the book, and reading a little note here at the end, it's because he wasn't contracted for more mo- movies at that point. So. The oh. author was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to put him in just in case." Yeah, I mean that even happened with the second and the third movie, where like he, they weren't sure if they were going to if he was going to do the third movie. So the Lucas had a backup plan for just killing the character off or, or getting rid of him somehow at the end of the second movie, instead of what they ended up doing. There's there were so many things that happened, like kind of just happened right at the right time and, and worked out perfectly to where a lot of the things that they came up with later just worked out really well in terms of iconic plot points kind of like blue star if you never hear her again on a side quest it's because of the whole quote carbonite thing yep and then we hear some real (laughs) sorry go ahead (laughs) i I was gonna say and then we hear some laughing in the distance (laughs) (laughs) okay now yangus now yangus decide for you to go on to the next movie whatever you say what you're done with okay i was all i was gonna say i was gonna say it's like yeah that carbonite's a real bitch 
<laughs> but you know what? Brewerian ended that perfectly, especially. <laughs> we need to get like a, we need to just get like her laughing just for like five seconds and quietly edit it in in the background somewhere. <laughs> 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 but, um, all right. Well, before, before Blue Star gets mad at us, or well, maybe mad at me again, because I always seem to do that. Um, She's not uh, going to find out for a while. It's okay. She, okay. We'll um, move on to uh, episode five. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Pendy, I believe you were going to did you you were going to cover the summary for this one, right? Yes. So I'll cover The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it was released in May of 1980, which uh, at the time I was only four months old at this point. Uh, it was one of the most expensive films ever made at the time. Its initial budget actually almost doubled during its production run. Uh, however, adjusting for inflation, it went on one of the highest grossing sequels sequels to this day. It was uh, directed by Irvin Kirscher, a small-time director and USC professor for Lucas during his college days. So that's how one of, how he ended up getting picked uh, to direct the movie. Lucas tapped him for that. And then it was uh, written, the writing credits are for, uh, for Lawrence Kasdan, that who ended up being the uh, final writer on the film. That was only after uh, Lee Brackett uh, did a draft, who unfortunately she passed away shortly after completing her draft, and after George Lucas did some drafts of the script as well. Uh, It had mixed reviews when it first debuted, uh, believe it or not, but since then has become known for not just being one of those rare cases where the sequel is considered to be better than the original for many people, but one of the best films of all time. Uh, It has so many spectacular elements to it. You've got the wintry at-at battle uh, in the beginning. You've got the asteroid scene where they fly out of the huge creature inhabiting one of the inhabiting one of the asteroids on being frozen in carbonite with the iconic "I love you, I know" moments between him and Leia, Princess Leia. Uh, meeting Yoda, uh, in my opinion, it has the best lightsaber battle of the original trilogy between Luke and Darth Vader. And then, of course, you've got Luke finding out Darth Vader is his father and dramatic fashion what i can't i can't say yes yeah, spoiler. dude spoiler what the oh, heck man we didn't put the spoiler tag on this one <sighs> but, like we yeah. mentioned it already gosh <laughs> <laughs> but i can't say enough good things about this movie uh it's personally for me it's my favorite of all the star wars movies that i've ever seen uh the plot of this movie involves the uh, empire chasing down the rebels and Darth Vader trying to chase down Luke Skywalker to try and convince him to join the dark side. Uh, The rebels are attacked on the ice planet of Hoth by the Empire, but managed to escape. Uh, Encouraged by the spirit of Obi-Wan, Luke at that point takes off to train to be a Jedi Knight uh, by Yoda. And while Luke is training with Yoda, Vader baits Luke by trapping his friends. And by the end of the movie, Han Solo has been shipped off to Jabba the Hutt via Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. And Luke has lost his hand to Darth Vader, so that is uh, that's the movie in a nutshell. So, what do you, what do you guys think of uh, the Empire Strikes Back? Mm, like it, I do. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured, Yangus, you'd be a big fan of this one since uh, it's very Yoda heavy. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I I felt like this one was the most action packed of the three movies, and that's why I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of in terms of just like. Uh, uh, yeah, and like a, the uh, the big battle in the beginning and the fights that they have later on. Yeah, it, it has it is action packed, and there's a lot of and on top of that, there's just so much character development too. Um, but and getting back to Yoda, Yoda is is great. I mean, like you said before, Angus, the performance that Frank Oz does is is so it's 
just makes a character pop. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, I I do like find Yoda's voice funny, but you know, and I I joke about it by like doing my own little impression of it. But I really do like Yoda a lot as a character because I do think he is a good teacher. You know, he I like that he sort of like acts like he's a crazy old hermit. But again, I like that sort of character trope. <laughs> oh no, that's the, great. Where he's like kind of acting like a little crazy guy and kind of getting into all his stuff and and messing with R two D two and all that yeah that's yeah. The, and that back and forth between them that's hilarious yeah I I do genuinely like that um, little back and forth they have but um you know with this movie when I, I remember when watching these movies originally like I really enjoyed the first one so that was really cool but I will admit that Empire Strikes Back has a lot of really great moments to it like i always think about the battle of hoth you know where they're fighting in the snow you got the big um i don't know what the proper name is for him but you have the big like four four legged walkers uh coming towards uh the rebel base slowly but surely you know they have massive firepower that's so hard to take down you have the i think they're called the ats i just call them the chicken walkers like the two legged ones it's it's uh oh the two-legged ones okay yeah yeah Yeah. two-legged are the atst Okay, it is the AT, um, AT or ATST, I guess. Excuse me, uh, but I I like how with that scene, you know, you get those cool set pieces of those giant machines like slowly but surely making their way and causing all of this destruction, even though they you know only have a few blasters to them. <clears throat> you know, you have the rebels flying around trying to you know use the tow cables, you know, tie the legs up, knock them over. And uh, what is it? I, I think they use stop motion for when they fall over, if I remember right. But it's a re- it's really cool to see it because, you know, as nice as some of like, like the like the digital effects can be in some of the other movies, like seeing the practical effects with the actual like using them like actual props or like, you know, big models and stuff. It's really cool to see how they're able to use those for those scenes. But um, that, that, that's why the Battle of Hoth has always stuck out in my mind, because I like those. I like those practical effects that they use. But um, let me see. Of course, you have the, the fight with between Luke and Darth Vader at the end of the film. You know, you have the big reveal then. And um, I really like how with that scene, too, like, you know, in the first movie, the, the lightsaber fighting is just kind of really simple. It's just Darth Vader and uh, Obi-Wan just like like barely moving their arms around as they try and like as they quote unquote fight each other off with the <laughs> I lightsabers. Do ha- I do have but, comments about that. <laughs> does it have to do with Kirk or Picard? No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how in the original iteration of A New Hope, they lightsaber like you know if you look at lightsaber fights now they are these insane over-the-top acrobatic uh bouts of just you know who's the who's the quickest who's the fastest but if you look at the original iteration between darth vader and obi-wan kenobi it was slow it was methodical they always have both hands on the lightsaber they're fighting it like it's a heavy weapon compared to how they are these days to where you've got dual-sided lightsabers lightsabers with extra stuff coming off them like um uh kylo ren's lightsaber and oh don't get me started on yeah yeah like 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 (laughs) these days these days it is just a make it fast make it fun but and make it different make it different but in the but in the like the original lightsaber battles it was these are these these are weapons of like awful destruction Mm -hmm. and you have to wield them carefully. And now it's just like, I'm going to do 50 flips in the air as I do a McTwisty, land on your neck, uh, cut off your arm, blah, 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 blah. 
And it's just a whole different game between seeing the original movie of A New Hope and then watching the newest trilogy of movies that have come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I did like it with um, like I did like it how it got got a little more actiony with um, Empire Strikes Back. But you're right, they don't really go like over the top, like crazy flipping around and you know all sorts of stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's still like a you know a strong fight scene between Luke and Darth Vader. But and, and you can feel like the the weight of the blows as they're fighting back and forth. But again, you don't have like them like doing sort of crazy, you know, like the flipping around or like they have crazy sort of lightsabers and things. Um, so there is, well, I know it's, you know, fantasy obviously, but there is a little bit of realism, I think with that then. And like what you were talking about, how there's like that real heaviness to it. You know, you feel, you can, you can feel that sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not oomph, but the weight, you know, like when they, when they hit a blow or like land a blow, you know, they're making a blow or like they're blocking each other or like the scene where, you know, Darth Vader like cuts Luke's hand off. You know, you, you just hear that like, and it just happens so fast. Um, let me see. I will, I will say though, just because just we're talking about the lightsaber thing, I will say I did like how in the prequel trilogy, just mention it real quick that uh, Darth Maul did have like, like that dual lightsaber. Cause I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. It's like, I think that'd be even more dangerous to have that. And it's kind of silly, but at the same time, it was really cool. <laughs> but for Empire Strikes Back, again, you know, there's a lot of really cool moments. There's a lot of really good character development, I think. I did like that um, they were still able to keep uh, Obi-Wan as a character, and he kept and it came back to talk with Luke, even though, you know, he's in that spirit form. Is that what they call it? Is that what they, like a force spirit, or is there force a Force ghost. Name? Force ghost. Thank force you. ghost, yes. Thank you. Um but I do like that they were still able to keep him in the series and in the movies because I thought it would have been a shame if, you know, Obi-Wan was just kind of a one and done character because he's still a teacher to Luke. He's still, you know, because he's still advising him, even if, you know, he's not able to do it all the time. It's still nice that he's able to, you know, turn to Obi-Wan for somebody he can talk to about, you know, uh, the powers of the Force and things like that. Yeah, I had forgotten, like, how much he shows up in the uh, in episode five and six. Like, he... he he uh, shows up in a few scenes, and you know he'll. There's like sometimes where we we'll just sit down and talk with Luke, and I was like, "Well, I forgot how much they uh, they put him in the subsequent movies." Uh, not that I'm mm-hmm. complaining at all. It's it, it is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alec Guinness really. You know, we said it before, but he really did a good job with um, playing uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. He really did, and I, I do think that the scenes with him and Luke, you know, they have. I think there is like a nice connection between the characters and how they're written and played. So, you know, kudos to Mark Hamill and Alec Guinness for their performances. But uh, do you guys have anything else about Empire Strikes Back before we move on? I just want to say, sorry, I I just want to say before I forget that I, with all these movies, I and you had kind of mentioned a little bit of it before with the the at-ats and the ATSTs, like, I just love all the design work that, went into these movies like everything from the tie fighters to the x-wings the at-ats to the lightsaber designs like all of it is just so it's so it looks so good i like the designs of a lot of the it's very visually appealing and it it, uh it's one of the the things that kind of drew me into the movies in the first place is how cool everything looked Mm -hmm. oh definitely i mean what when i started watching this you know, as a young kid, you know, go back to the Star Trek Star Wars comparison, you know, all you had was the original Star Trek at the time in the 80s to look back on. And they those are from like the 60s. And, you know, everything's just like a gray box and, you know, everything looks so 
they're always good, beaming down to like you know the back of set you know warehouse 14b and whatnot you're that or you're fighting a lizard monster in the hills of california um <laughs> <laughs> so these were the first visual effects that were like oh this is really cool you know, not not cheesy '60s animation stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we we got our first. I mean, the first Star Trek movie came out around the same time as the first Star Wars movie. I think a few years after, actually, but I don't think it was anything what Star Wars was all about. You know? No, no. I mean, it was completely different. So, I mean, at that time in my life, like this was cool. Like, I want to be shooting a bunch of little yeah. Yeah, I want to see the adats moving. You, you want to see the action. You want to be a space wizard. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Star, Star Wars, Star Wars is, was always the flashier of the two fran- franchises. So, mm-hmm. and, and like, and I'll oh, go back to design again. Like, even the, like the alien designs were so great. Like, whether it's like Yoda or Chewbacca or or the different alien races that they came up, the designs for those were great as well. They're so yeah, so cool looking. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why Yoda's always kind of stuck out in my head too. It's like he's got such a simple design to him, but it the way it's um, portrayed, I guess is the word I would use. It's it's memorable, you know. He doesn't have a whole lot of like crazy features to him, but he has just enough where you know if you were to just kind of see an outline or you know somebody mentions like, oh, that's Yoda, you know. So but, uh, since we're before we move on to the next movie, we've got another little interjected story here. Since I am Florida man, I got to tell you a very <laughs> Florida, Florida man story about Yoda. So uh, turning back the clocks to April 2001, there was a Hooters owner or manager down in um, uh, somewhere on the West Coast over in Florida. And. He had a contest in the month of April 2001, told all his Hooter girls, like, hey, whoever gets the most beer sales this month, you get a brand new Toyota. Brand new. You got it. So one of the waitresses knocks herself out, like wins by a mile. She's told that, you know, out of all the franchise that uh, this guy owns, she was the top one. They blindfold her. They take her out into the parking lot and give her like a two foot tall toy Yoda doll. <laughs> so what a troll (laughs) so of course you know this ends up in a lawsuit and she got to pick out whatever vehicle she wanted apparently oh they were serious oh no oh no it was yep um (laughs) she quit she quit her job a week later sued the company and uh settled out of court and wow what a troll what a trollish (laughs) moment what the hell I mean, yeah, that I mean, that would have been cool if he was just kidding, like, ah, ha, ha, I tricked you, and then turned around and was like, oh, no, here's the real thing over here. But no, he was serious. Like, no, this is all you get. Sorry. Yep. They, they should have yep. had the Yoda holding the keys to the car. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, there's even the new there's a newspaper clipping Panama City. Sorry, up in the panhandle. Those people are worse than anybody else in Florida. So <laughs> Oh my god. That's that's the best. That is hilarious. I, I feel bad for that poor girl, but oh my god, what a that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the, the manager claims that it it was April. It was an April Fool's joke, and well, oh my God. <laughs> that, that's really funny. <laughs> so since, oh, since Yoda was introduced in this movie, I had to throw my anecdote in there. <laughs> mm, Yoda used for pranking was find it funny. She did not. 
<laughs> no, not at all. Oh, man. <laughs> well, after that story, I think we should probably uh, return to our Star Wars conversation. Taking a little cue from Platy there with the uh, transitions. And we should talk about Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Now, Pendy, I, I see you have something here you wanted to mention about the movie. Um, tell me, what, what exactly do you think Return of the Jedi is? Do you think it's something in particular? It's a trap! <laughs> oh, of course. I, uh, so, it, my, my friend uh, Nate and I would constantly quote this line to each other uh, back when I was living, when we were both living in Las Vegas, about... Uh, I don't know, like 10 years ago now. Uh, we would quote it whenever we saw any kind of danger in a video game we were playing, or a show we were watching, or, or any or any real-life situation we could make fun of. Like, for example, like my friend Nate. It's like, oh, you're going to the DMV tomorrow? Don't do it. It's a trap. I was just, just back and forth all the time with that. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> I know. Sometimes you, sometimes you just hear, like, just the right lines, and you share them with friends, and, you know, you find ways to integrate them into your conversations. Yeah. <laughs> But um, uh, Platy or Brewery, do either one of you guys want to do a summary for Return of the Jedi? Or do you just want uh, one of us to cover it then instead? I hey, why not? You know. All right, Brewery, and with the floor. Let me let me find the spot on the. Uh... Do you even have a thing for a episode <laughs> six on here? <laughs> it was a trap. <laughs> well, that, that, that would be that, why you didn't read it. Your so. Uh... <laughs> That might be why he didn't read your line earlier then. I wrote a line in for you in the opening to say after all the guests. <laughs> it really was a trap. There's nothing, we didn't write anything for that. No. <laughs> it was indeed a trap. Uh, <laughs> well, we covered a- Admiral Akbar's part of the summary. <laughs> um. Well, I, I guess I'll just quickly give one for <laughs> Return of the Jedi. So this one takes place uh, pretty shortly after the events of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Luke has gone off to Jabba the Hutt's, uh, I guess, I don't know, if it, what, do you, what do you call it, his palace, I think is what they refer to it as. Yes. Uh, but, he's, but he sends uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 ahead of him to become... Uh, unbeknownst to their knowledge, uh, presence for Jabba the Hutt, so that way he can sneak in then uh, to try and rescue Han Solo from Kryptonite and to, uh, as he later finds out, free Princess Leia because she ends up getting uh, kidnapped and become a, uh, became one of uh, Jabba the Hutt's slave girls. Uh, there's, you know, big rescue scene. They end up going to, uh, I think it's the Tarlac Pit or Sarlacc Pit. Sarlacc, yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, they go to the Sarlacc pit. Um, there's a you know big scene. They end up you know defeating Jabba the Hutt and some of his goons. Uh, Boba Fett, who we didn't really mention this before, but Boba Fett was like a really big fan character, sort of like the ensemble dark horse of the series to an extent because he you know even though he only showed up for a little bit, a lot of people really loved his character and for as little as there was, and they just really liked his design and him being this assassin sort of character and bounty. Excuse me, not assassin, a bounty hunter. Uh, anyway, big old fight scene. They end up escaping. Uh, the great, the gang's all back together. Uh, they end up going to the rebel base, and they start to learn about this new Death Star that's being built by the Empire. It's around, It's uh, floating around the moon of. It's the moon of Endor, right? The forest moon of Endor. Yes. Thank you. Uh, it's floating around the forest moon of Endor. They try and sneak on. Things don't unfortunately go their way. They end up on the forest moon itself, and from there, the gang. Uh, call them the gang. They're like freaking Scooby Doo. <laughs> Uh, the group, the group. Well, I guess Chewbacca would kind of be the Scooby Doo of the bunch. <laughs> wow! Wow! Thank, th- 
thank you. Thank Robbing you. Robbing it in with that metal thing, huh? Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're here till the end of the episode. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, the group gets separated. Uh, they end up running into the Ewoks. Uh, Leia befriends them. Uh, the others get kidnapped by one of their traps or captured, <laughs> captured by one of their traps. Uh, it was a trap. See, <laughs> see, we need a, we need a, a little ding counter every time uh, Pendy says that. <laughs> okay, I've been taking a shot. I'm I'm halfway gone right now. <laughs> just <laughs> you'll have to edit in little ding sounds every time, Platty. Just go through the whole episode, just ding, ding. <laughs> but um, um, they end up going to the Ewok village. Then after you know all these shenanigans have been going down, they're able to trick like they they trick the Ewoks with C-3PO of all characters into thinking that he is like some sort of powerful deity. That they that they worship, he, he he quote unquote uses the force to move things around, even though it's really Luke doing it. Uh, you then get some of the uh, uh, you get to learn a bit about um, Luke's family, and as we were kind of talking about before, this is where he discovers that Leia is actually his sister, uh, thanks to some knowledge that he received from uh, Yoda and from Obi Wan Kenobi. A little earlier in the film, he starts to now piece it together. Uh, he, you know, or he pieced it together from the information they told him. Excuse me. Uh, he then, you know, tells Leia. A little bit of drama then between Leia and uh, Han Solo because Han thinks, you know, he doesn't know about that information yet. Oh, and that's when it becomes creepy too because, like, I, I remember this cause since I just saw it. It's like when when they when he reveals to him that like they're related. Like uh, Leia's like, oh yeah, I, I think I always do that. Like I, you know, I always I yeah. Always, I always do that. It's like, really? Yeah. So you do that when you were like making out with them? Okay, sure. Yeah, you got gotcha. a big old kiss on your brother. <laughs> right on the lips. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there's you know a little bit of drama going on there. Uh, meanwhile, it, we do some cut back and forth to the new Death Star. We finally get to meet the Emperor of the Empire, Emperor Palpatine. You know, Wait. he's this little, almost like a husk looking of a man, much smaller than Darth Vader. And everybody's afraid of him, but you're not really sure why. Uh, eventually, Darth Vader goes to the planet. He runs into Luke. They end up taking Luke onto the new Death Star, um, right as this plan from the Rebels is taking place to you know, storm the new Death Star and blow it up just like it did with the original one. Uh, Luke is tempted by Palpatine you know, to join the dark side. You know, he explains you know, what happened to his father, uh, Darth Vader, you know, how what had led him to that. Tries to use his emotions and feelings against him because that's when you get like a lot of the great lines from Palpatine's like, use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the hate flow through you. You know, trying to get, you know, trying to goad Luke and up, you know, um, latching onto these negative feelings so that he can supposedly increase his powers with the force, but really just to get him on their side. So they'll have another powerful Jedi warrior to help fight with the empire. Uh, things don't really go the way that uh, the emperor planned. There's another fight scene between Luke and Darth Vader. Uh, funny enough. Well, I say funny enough, but uh, and I, ironically, uh, Luke ends up cutting off Darth Vader's hand, like he did, like he cut off Luke's hand. <laughs> so goes around, comes around. I guess he's not really not. He's for for being a guy with a with, that starts his name with Pal. He's really not one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, because then he starts using his super overpowered lightning attacks to go after um, Luke, which in Pokemon terms, it's super effective. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this is just like any good RPG. You've had the bad guy, you, you know, Darth Vader. <laughs> you defeat him, and then it's like, oh, shit! There's somebody even more powerful! Yep. How the like, hell do I deal with that force lightning? Yeah, like, you I know, the Emperor for this. doesn't... 
for it being his only movie that he appeared in in the original trilogy, uh, at least in person that he appeared in originally, like the emperor can really kick some ass if he really wanted to, but he just chooses not to because he's like, eh, you know what? You got it. I, I'll just sit back here. Oh, things are going bad. All right. <laughs> but you know, there's this big final moment then with Darth Vader, you know, choosing to uh, save Luke. They throw Palpatine off the side. You know, goes falling. Ah! He falls down the shaft. They then escape from the Death Star. New Death Star blows up. Then the whole galaxy is celebrating because they've defeated the Emperor, defeated the Empire, blew up the New Death Star. You see all the different planets celebrating. I. Guessing it's totally different in the original, but yeah, um, yeah, they didn't have those planets in the original. Okay, okay, thank you. Yeah, because you even see like a bunch of Jar Jars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hear you even get to hear one of them yell like, "We suffer!" Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we never <laughs> heard from the Emperor again. Yep, Planet's nope, like, never. yes, they. <laughs> Like, yes, they brought back George are my favorite character. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, big celebration for the galaxy uh, throughout the galaxy and on the planet Endor. And all the Ewoks celebrate with them. You get one little, like, one last shot of a uh, spirit or a uh, force, force ghost, ghost, Yoda and Obi-Wan. And you also get to see, uh, again, it's changed with the movies, but you, you get to see... Um, Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker, you know, before his transformation and everything. Again, it's, it. it's it's different in the different movies I know, but the, they they still get to show him, you know. Pendy will cover this. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Pendy. Yeah, Pendy will talk about. It, don't worry. <laughs> but um, you still get that nice little send off for like these three different characters who you know were like the other big users of the Force in the series up to that point. And um, uh, just like the first movie where we got a shot of like all of our main characters, you know, looking at the camera uh, during the celebration, we get to end the uh, Empire Strikes Back with the same sort of shot, along with some of the newer characters that came along, like um, Lando Calrissian, which we totally didn't even mention in the Empire Strikes Back portion. Um, you get to see all the main characters again. It's sort of a, almost like a bookend of sort with, you know, how the first movie ended and how this last movie ended. And from there, you get one last uh, overture uh, slash performance of the Star Wars theme, and that's in the movie. So, Pendy, since you had this as something earlier on you want to talk about, why don't you go ahead and tell us about that uh, change you were commenting on just a second ago? Oh, that? Oh, just, I got, well, there's a couple of changes in this movie that I'm just uh, not a big fan of. So, I guess I'll start with that stuff first. So, I would say this movie has the worst digital addition to it. Um, and what I'm referring to is not the Force Ghost thing, which I wasn't a fan of either, but the, the song and dance scene at, at Jabba the Hutt. Yes! That's I just so cringy. They're, they have these two singing aliens in it. One's completely new. One was not in the original version, and one is the digital version of the one of the original aliens. Uh, with the, and they did like a new song to it too. It's just it's just so bad. It just does not fit with the rest of the movie. And then a, lot, a lot of the digital effects just kind of kind of don't mix with the how the movies look. But this one in particular was was horrible, and it, and it was like front and center. Uh, for a little bit, so I, I wasn't a big fan of that. And then you were talking about how you know everyone shows up, uh, like Yoda, Obi Wan, and, and uh, Darth Vader show up as the Force Ghost at the very end of the movie. Of course, with, after the prequels, they had to replace the original actor who played Darth Vader—not his voice, but the actor himself—and who actually, you know, he got a couple lines, you know, as he was as he was, the character was dying. Uh, but they replaced him with a uh, Christian Hayden. 
uh, version of Anakin smirking creepily with his very punchable face. So I. Would... <laughs> so, yeah, I honestly, I I don't know any of what you're talking about because I've never seen this edition of the movie. Well, that's why I was saying good for you when you said that in the beginning because you didn't have well, to suffer for any of this. I, I I know I know about some of the changes like the Han Solo thing, <laughs> Greedo, and then the Force Ghost change, and then some like additions here and there. But for the most part, it's like I get. I get to live with the fact that I've never seen the digital remasters and I guess I'll just wear it like a badge of honor. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) usually the digital editions are like, kind of like they put stuff, they throw stuff in the background for the most part. Uh, Probably like the biggest one that I can think of besides the the dancing scene would be like a a new hope where they add in that additional scene between Han Solo and uh, Jabba the Hutt. There's actually a, a scene that they originally filmed and, uh, and then later when they did the, the remakes they digitally put in a job. Yeah. So do they, in A New Hope, I know at one point they open these, while they're trying to escape the Death Star and run away from Darth Vader and all that, they open the doors to like a giant bay filled with stormtroopers that I know is a painting in the original movie. Did they ever change that to actual stormtroopers in any of the remasters? That's that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I don't actually remember if that if that was altered I'm, I'm sure I could consult the oracle and find out in five seconds but I'm here now with you guys so I figured I'd ask <laughs> but uh, no idea. but like I was saying most of the time it was they would just add some digital characters in the background and, and add some stuff but in this movie it was like a front and center change where they, they had they had two digital characters like singing singing and dancing and it was just terrible yeah <laughs> like I'll be honest with you when I first watched um, the movies uh, you know years ago on blu-ray I remember watching that part when I got to and when I got to Return of the Jedi, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Like, <laughs> I just was so confused. Like, I I knew that there was stuff added digitally and things like that, but as I'm watching it, I'm just like, "What's like? Why do these guys look? They look really plasticky. They don't look like they belong at all." And it's like, "Man, this is not good." <laughs> and now, and actually, Pendy, whenever I re rewatch uh, Return of the Jedi, I just skip forward ahead a little bit so I don't have to see that part again. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well. I mean, it's not. It's, it doesn't add anything. No, it doesn't. I just, I just will always just start playing it again when it gets to the part where, um, uh, well, the the slave girl prior to Leia, you know, the green one with um, like the yeah. tentacle hair, whatever it's supposed to be, where she's like really pulling on the chain, and all of a sudden, Job of the Hutt just like, okay, well, bye bye, opens up the pit, <laughs> and there she falls in. But yeah, she a Twi'lek. Yo, yeah, yeah, to get, open up the pit to the Rancor. His, I don't know if that's supposed to be. His pet, but like the pig man that's watching over that thing is just like, oh, he gets so sad when Luke kills the Rancor. Oh yeah, that was a that was like a nice that was actually a nice little moment. Like the Rancor was such a great design, just more terrific alien design. But okay. I, when the when the guy uh, when the guy dies, yeah, his trainer, uh, he gets he's like, oh my god, you killed you killed, yeah. uh, you killed <laughs> he gets the so upset. He's, he's just like was, no. He had an emotion. He had like a real emotional connection with the the rancor, and he was just so super sad. And like they had one of the pig guys was kind of like took him by the shoulder and was kind of yeah. walking him away. And like, it's okay, man. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, I know it's sad. It's- I know. I love. I love that scene. It's it's just, it's I. It's supposed to be like a little emotional sad scene, but honestly, it just is really funny because he's just like no, no, you don't expect my it. baby. You don't expect it. No. <laughs> But, um, yeah, like, really, other than that part, I think this, what, I, what I've read about Return of the Jedi was that at this point, like, Star Wars is becoming a bit bigger with younger audiences, too, so 
you know, that's why they worked in like the Ewoks and, you know, a bit more of like silly moments, which is probably also why they worked in that, you know, dance scene and the, the song. That's probably why they put that in for like kids and stuff. But really, I think that, you know, this is still a good ending to the trilogy because I like that, you know, you have this big, you know, final space battle where everybody's flying into like and they go inside of the Death Star this time instead of like doing the Death Star trench run at the very top of it. You know, you you get like a different sort of, um, I guess, angler perspective, like for this kind of fight. No, I was really where they're going into the guts of the the Death Star. it's, It's pretty much like going into the belly of the beast. Pretty much. Yeah, um, and, a, and, and a lot of people like they give this movie crap for the Ewoks in the movie, um, as you as you mentioned. Personally, I I love them. Uh, I even watched the Ewoks uh, cartoon show when I was a little kid. Uh, it, it had a couple of seasons, and it had this funky like theme song that where this guy's like e e e e e Ewoks. You gotta check it out. It's it's funny. But uh, yeah. Oh oh, and actually. Call back to uh, Brerian where you're, where you're asking like, well, can Ewoks braid hair? Well, if you were to believe, if you are to believe the cartoon, yes, since one of the uh, characters has braided hair, so I, I guess they can. <laughs> there they go. There's a connection there for you. Well, well, that answers that. It answers the age-old question. Their fingers are nimble enough to manipulate hair. Who would have thought? <laughs> but yeah, I, I've never really had a problem with the Ewoks and stuff either. I, you know, they're they're are kind of a little more sillier moments as to this movie, especially after empire strikes back. But you know, it's a you know, third movie in this trilogy there and whether, whatever the case was for what they were appealing to, I still think that this movie has a lot of really great moments to it. Like I do, I really enjoy all of the scenes between, you know, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Cause you know, they've had this big confrontation at empire strikes back. They're now sort of trying to work through, you know, some of these revelations that they have. You know, Darth Vader ends up learning that Leia is his daughter and that Luke had a sister this whole time that he wasn't aware of. Um, you know, Darth Vader basically is aware, like, oh, I guess I have a daughter, too. <laughs> he doesn't say it quite like that, but, you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if James Earl Jones said that? Like, I have a daughter. <laughs> um but I, I do genuinely like those moments between uh, Darth Vader and Luke. And I especially love all the scenes with Palpatine. Like, for as little, like, on, like, in-person screen time as his actor got, boy, you can tell he was just having a heck of a time playing that character. Because he just, he cheeses and, like, plays to the camera so well. Like, that, there's always, there's a gift that I always like to send Platy or send other people with. It's, um, it's when he's saying, like, good... And it's just like a close-up, like, zoom in of his face with, like, that creepy little smile. His face is poking out from his, uh, you know, black robe he's wearing that covers up his whole body and his face. It's just, it's just so silly. But you can tell that the actor must have just been having a ball playing that character, you know? And I, I think that's what really, to me, sells Palpatine as, like, this dangerous threat and why he's kind of unhinged and, you know, why he's able to rule this entire empire so easily without lifting so much of a finger sometimes oh yeah because you he's like manipulates a lot of the events uh mm-hmm. to, to the movie saying oh yeah this i let i let them do this i let the rebels do this and that and the other thing and he's got that great line where, he, where he's like everything is proceeding as i have foreseen like, yep and stuff like that yep he's got he really does have like a lot of great little quotable lines throughout the movie too and i always i, I the one that always sticks out to my mind too is where he um is where he's talking to luke you know, Darth Vader's brought him up to him for the first time. They're talking about the Endor shields that are going to protect the planet. He's like, oh, I'm afraid the shield that oh, what is it? He says 
I'm afraid the shield will be quite operational. Oh, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, I don't remember. I I don't remember it word for word, unfortunately. But it's just the look on his face and the way he says it. He just looks like he's so sad, but you can tell he's just enjoying every single minute of saying that. Oh, it's not going to be operational. Oh, it's it's dripping with sarcasm. Oh it's yes, the great the great <laughs> line line read. It's, it's terrific. Yeah, like I I'll I'll stop talking about him in a little bit, but. I will say that one year for Halloween, I did end up going like dressed up as Palpatine. Like I got my face all painted like that kind of creepy white, you know, got the big black robe and everything. Some people thought I was supposed to just be like a ghost or like death or something, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That's why <laughs> some people knew who I was supposed to be. Though, so I was, I was tickled about that. And that's when he's <laughs> acting with lightning. <laughs> Don't know who that's, is. that's when I needed like little prop lightning bolts. Like I could just throw out or something. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I I will say that like I do prefer Empire Strikes Back, but there's a lot of stuff about Return of the Jedi that I like too. Like there, there's a lot of like good new characters. Like of course you know you got the quotable Admiral Akbar. Uh, you have you get to see Lando Calrissian, you know, flying around in the Millennium Falcon, you know, helping fight the Death Star. You get um, the scenes with the Ewoks, you know, even though they're more like comical, where they still, you know, they're willing to you know lay their lives down and fight off the Empire. You know, they go after these big ATSTs and. You know, after all these stormtroopers and stuff, and you I mean, even though they're supposed to be kind of the comedy characters, there is death with these guys too. You know, you see one of them that gets shot. His buddy ends up falling next to him. He gets up, tries to like, you know, pulls by like, come on, come on, we gotta go, we gotta get going. But you know, he then realizes like, oh, oh, he's, you know, he got shot. He's dead. You know, mm-hmm. so it like there. I do think that this movie, for as silly as some of the moments are, it does have some nice, genuine, emotional moments too. So. Which, which is something that really works well with the other Star Wars movies, um, the first three movies up to this point. So I, I, mean, do, did, I do did, like that stuff. Did Did you forget about the stormtrooper that runs his rider straight into a tree on the Force Moon Endor, just smashes into it and explodes? Oh, oh, man, that, that scene really gets to me every time. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> why, why did you mention that one? Because this is my job to make you as uncomfortable as possible. <laughs> Why did you mention that? <laughs> oh, but no. Thanks uh, that's for reminding those... us of Death Brewerian. <laughs> oh yeah, those, those little speeder things that the Empire had down on Endor. Those are those are fun. Those are good scenes. They're, they're zipping around, and the and the little sound effect that they had from the zoom. Oh yeah, right. they go flying by. They were definitely a lot of fun. I liked those scenes a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like I, I've read like a lot of people like they don't like this one as much as the first two, but I, I like this. I really like this one. Like I don't, I don't really? see it as the lesser. I don't see it as the lesser of the three. Like I, I think it's not. So many people hate the Ewoks. <laughs> uh, well, I guess if you're gonna hate one thing about the movie, that's because I, my friends growing up, always loved Return of the Jedi the most. I, I had a few local friends who were. If we were going to watch a Star Wars movie, that's the one they always wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. I always want to watch A New Hope. That's my favorite one. I really had no issue with any of these three. These are no, yeah, they're they're oh, all they're great movies. Great, yep. love them. Yeah, I remember watching them. Like like I said before, like you know, watching them back to back. You know, I again, I would say like Empire is my favorite of the three, but you know, watching them all back to back, I enjoyed all three of them. All three of them have really great stuff that I enjoy. And even though there's some things about each movie that I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, you know, you take that with the movie. You know, I still really find myself like enjoying all three movies pretty equally for the most part. Even though I have said a few times like Empire is my favorite, like 
I think that all three are genuinely pretty well-made movies, and they have a lot of great stuff to them. You know, that's why I like rewatch them whenever I like whenever I think of Star Wars or one or if I want to if I feel like watching something Star Wars related, I'll just you know either start with New Hope or maybe slowly work my way through the movies again, or just you know pick one of the random ones and be like, okay, let's watch that one. You know, I like them a lot. Can't but, argue you, with but, that. You, but you know what? Wrath of Khan is a pretty good movie, too. <laughs> that it is. Or the remake, Into Darkness. Yes, both good. We need a little squirt bottle and just spray burger at that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop that right now. I'll never stop. <laughs> this, Let, one's for you, this one's for I you, Al. This one's for you, Al. Let's not pretend that what you're doing here isn't what Yangus did on the Star Trek episode <laughs> the whole time. Hey. <laughs> okay, the one time was me so this, and my bad. The other time... The one time. <laughs> that was the... What was it I said earlier? I'm like, yeah, that was the audio audio issues from Hell Night. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what made that episode so memorable. Oh, I guess you guys talking about the Star Trek, too, but you know, whatever. I mean... <laughs> But all right, I think that wraps it up for our movie part of the discussion. Uh, Pendy oh, we're not added... gonna talk about we're not going to talk about the Christmas special. Uh, <laughs> one that doesn't exist. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the what I now? guess we have to now that you mentioned it. <laughs> we don't well, have I to. Guess, it doesn't I guess, exist. Well, I will just say real quick that for as bad as that thing is, as Ooh. bad as the Star Wars Christmas special is. I will say that the one good part of it is with B. Arthur and the bar that she owns. <laughs> no, the one good part about it is when the credits scroll. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I tried watching Damn it. it. Pl- so. Platty, we should have talked about this on the last episode with the Christmas stuff. <laughs> this could have been the segue into us doing could the have been the, episode. That, that definitely could have been the segue. Damn it. <laughs> we missed it. We're going to have to go back and do another Christmas episode now. <laughs> But um, no, we'll we'll save the train wreck of the Star Wars Christmas special for another time. Maybe when we talk mm. about like the prequels or the new trilogy or something. I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm sure that Platty would prefer we talk about the Christmas special with the <laughs> with the newer trilogy. <laughs> um, but uh, why would we defile the newer trilogy with talk of that crap? <laughs> well, didn't you say this? You say the newer ones were like the pile of crap too. Yeah, but the Christmas special—that's just another level. That's just, that's the star <laughs> on top of the tree, is what you're saying. That's the crap. I'm gonna tree. say there. How many layers of hell are there? <laughs> well, apparently this one's the tenth one that never existed until now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, um, let's move on to the next portion after this lovely discussion we've been having. So Pendy brought something up in our notes that it was actually a good little idea for something to talk about after uh, the movies, and that was some of our uh, related experience to Star Wars. And uh, the first one that he put down uh, was any Star Wars theme park experiences. Uh, Pendy, would you like to share any since you know you added these uh, to our notes here? Sure. So uh, I had an opportunity to go to the Star Wars um attractions in Disney World that they have now. So my my wife, uh, then girlfriend at the time, was visiting from South Korea, and we took a trip down to Florida to see my dad and, and my aunt for Christmas. Uh, this is also when I got to see uh, Meet Platty for the first time in person. Uh, was. We both loved Star Wars, so we checked out that Star Wars section of Disney World, and we had a blast. 
we did uh, some of the rides that we, uh, not all of them, because uh, uh, we didn't get to do everything that was there, but we got to do most of what was there. We did a Smuggler's Run, where you get to uh, be in the Millennium Falcon. They have like a life-size Millennium Falcon that they built, and you go in and you get to do this ride. Uh, where you actually, there's like six spots for people to sit. There's like two pilots, two engineers, and two gunners. And uh, when me and my wife went went through, we ended up being uh, both of the engineers. If you're the, if you're the pilot, obviously you're driving the ship around and you're putting it in light speed at some point. If you're the gunners, obviously you're shooting stuff. And then me and my wife were in the back. We were the two engineers, so we were responsible for pushing buttons and stuff to like do repairs. And there's a point where you got to like fire tow cables at something to try and capture a ship. So you get so we're in charge of that. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we also did the Star Tours ride, where you get to ride in a ship with a C-3PO as you jump to jump to light speed to go to various locations from the newer movies. That was a lot of fun. The big the big thing at the time was uh, Galaxy's Edge. It was like one of the new attractions to that uh, part of the part of the park. Uh, but we didn't get a chance to reserve a spot to go to see that. So next time, uh, the whole the whole section, Star Wars section, had a very cool atmosphere. The, the whole thing was kind of split up between the Empire and Rebel-themed locations. And then, like, all the workers were dressed up in their particular theme. And, like, in the Empire theme, you had, like, various stormtroopers that would patrol around looking for that Rebel scum. And uh, they had uh, they had lots of shops and uh, restaurants that were obviously Star Wars-themed. Uh, they, they had a couple of shops where you could uh, build your own droid. They had a shop where you could build your own lightsaber and you could actually buy it and take it with you um i saw from the website when i was looking this up today that they also added recently added like a live show so i'm excited to uh go back again and check that out along with galaxy's edge uh that i missed the first time and uh, check all that out so it was a lot of fun me and my, my my wife is a huge star wars fan too uh so we had a tremendous time uh being able to do all that and experience experience it was great platy you you've gone to uh see that too right oh yeah i mean I remember back before it got totally revamped about two and a half years ago. I mean, there was always an area there at Hollywood studios with star Wars. Cause star tours goes back quite a while. Like I, I actually remember them like revamping it to have the worlds. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. The star tours has been there. Gosh, I don't want to say nineties, but maybe even that far uh-huh. back. Oh, okay. um, yep. That, that one's been there for a long time. I, gosh, Ooh, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably totally wrong. I think it was something like Into the Body or something before that. Oh, I remember like, that. I, I did that as a kid. When I went to Disney it, Disney World as a kid, we did that ride yep. where you go into the body. I remember that. I, <laughs> I want to say that's what got revamped into that. Okay. It got yeah, reskinned and, into that. And I just assumed it was new because like all the locations you go to are based off the new movies. But yeah, they'd easily be able to switch it to other stuff. So, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you're. it's a virtual ride. You're in a room and the videos there and the room shaking and whatever um but yeah i've done that for years uh gosh seven eight years ago because my kids were babies at the time but my brother-in-law who lived with us um he's in disney entertainment and back then he got cast as darth maul oh cool and he had to- he had to learn how to wear contact lenses because he doesn't wear glasses. And all of a sudden he's got to wear the contact lenses. He had to keep his head shaved for months on end. (laughs) And it was hours of makeup every day. And he'd be on stage. They did um, little live shows there. They used to have a Jedi Academy where the kids would go up on stage and 
they would teach them different stuff. And then Darth Maul would come out and they're like, whoa, kids, we got to fight Darth Maul. Um, and I do remember bringing my oldest son, uh, maybe when he was like two or three, and we were trying to get him to see if he would recognize his uncle up there or not. And, <laughs> well, thank and total God. different look. You, you well, thank God. Look like, yeah. But what did you what did you say, Pendy? You cut off just, there. I was sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say thank God they didn't have uh, Anakin battle the little kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep that that'd be a that'd be a party wipe. I <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did Smuggler's Run just like you. Um, my uh, father-in-law got a private tour gifted to him by a friend this past year, and we went in February. And we could go to anywhere in all four parks. We got walked right on to every ride. Um, did Smuggler's Run. I did the Gunner. Um, definitely didn't do too good. I don't know what the heck the problem was. But uh, one of my uh, father-in-law's friends like had a score like one point less than mine. I'm like, wow. You know, so much for all my years of video game playing. This is why I play turn-based RPGs, not shooters. <laughs> <laughs> but that the whole mock-up of the millennium falcon was awesome that like oh, yeah. you're just walking through because i mean you're walking through a maze to get to your little room where you're doing it because obviously they got a bunch of them on the ship um like it felt like you were walking down the corridor of a spaceship it was really cool and you know the one thing all oh, this whole private tour where we could go on any ride in any of the four parks except for the one you didn't get to go on either the uh oh, galaxy's edge galaxy's edge yep and I know my father-in-law a couple times like, you know, how much is this tour? Somebody dropped four grand for like the eight of us to go here all day. <laughs> like, And the tour guide's like, I know. He goes, it's kind of ridiculous. He's like, we've got about, you know, five or six of these tours going daily. There ain't more than 80 people on any private tour. Like, let's, you know, I wish I could take you there. He goes, hey, well, let me in. <laughs> so, but, you know, we, we kind of walked through that area. I haven't been in years. Um since they redid it all, but yeah, we walked through and it was it was pretty darn awesome. Yeah, that Millennium Falcon thing was was neat because, like as you were saying, you you, you walk through it to get to your area, but they have all the different mock-ups of like the different parts of the ship from the movie. So mm-hmm. like you can sit around the table where they have that little uh, kind of chess type game with a little stop motion yep. creature, uh, and you can take pictures and stuff. And uh, it what and you were talking about like getting points, but yeah, that was that's something that's fun about the the ride is that like you get a total you get a total point score for how well your team did so you can keep doing it again and again and see if your team can get a better total score for the for the ride it only takes you two hours to do it again and again yeah (laughs) get back in line (laughs) so yangus you had one that uh you want to talk about yeah um from my own theme park experiences of going to uh, Disney as like a kid, I don't remember if like when we went to MGM Studios, if they had, well, I don't know if it's called that now anymore, but uh, MGM Studios at the time, if they had much Star Wars stuff, I know they had Indiana Jones stuff. I don't remember if they had Star Wars though, but um, I have been watching a show. Uh, it's called Buddy versus Duff, which is a cake competition show uh, starring two different uh, cake making professionals and other teams uh, and they actually had a star wars themed episode for the season two finale where that was kind of going to be their um, big tiebreaker episode 
uh, they ended up going to actually a lot of the rides and uh, experiences that you guys were talking about, where, you know, they went on to the Millennium Falcon ride. They went into, you know, build their own little droids. They went to the restaurants and were trying to, you know, figure out what they wanted to do for this final cake competition. And so they ended up, um, Buddy's team decided they were going to make the Millennium Falcon uh, flying away from uh, Moss Eisley, you know, going into space, going into hyperdrive, uh, basically like the, you know, the scene where it takes off in uh, New Hope. And uh, Duff's team decided they were going to do the X-Wing uh, based on the scene where Yoda lifts up the X-Wing from the swamp on um, his planet. I forget the name of it, unfortunately. I'm, I'm terrible with the names. Dagobah, maybe? Dagobah, maybe? It's a Dagobah system. I don't know if the planet was named Dagobah, too. Something okay. Like well, whatever the, you know, uh, we'll, just, we'll just say the Swamp of Dagobah, just to break even on what the name might be. Uh, but anyway, you get to see uh, Duff's Cake was a recreation of um, Yoda lifting this X-Wing out of the swamp. I don't know if you guys have Discovery Plus or anything like that, but if you do want to see that for yourself and like what these cakes end up looking like and how they pulled it off, it is well worth watching it, even if you don't watch the rest of the show, because it's really cool to see, you know, what all they were able to do, you know, with cake and cooking um, and different like uh, cooking supplies in order to make these, you know, they weren't life size recreations, but they were pretty big recreations of an X-Wing and uh, the Millennium Falcon, respectively. Like it's it's pretty impressive what they were able to accomplish in just 48 hours with this competition. Um, but Again, I don't really remember when I when I was a kid if they had much of the Star Wars stuff there, but I know nowadays is it called Disney Studios now or is it called is it still called MGM Studios at Disney World? It's called Hollywood Studios. It's called Hollywood Studios. Okay, I'm guessing they probably have a bunch of Star Wars stuff there now since you know at this point Disney has you know owns the Star Wars license and everything. Well, but... yeah, like I said, they had a little corner and that is like tripled in space now. Okay. Or I mean, even more than that, because like, as Pendy said, they got the whole life-size uh, Millennium Falcon there. Mm-hmm. They, got big, they got a big at-at at one of the entrances to something. Mm-hmm. There. Okay. They, got lots, they got lots of stuff. But yeah, Hollywood Studios, they got like the, you were talking, you referenced the Indiana Jones thing. They got mm-hmm. the Indiana Jones live show. I saw that last time I went there when uh, when I went to see the Star Wars stuff too. Yeah, they, they still oh, got that's that. Fun. I've been in that before. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying oh, to think. That you're one of the people, that, the volunteers? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, cool. They, they, Went there on a random weekday and made sure to sit down in the front. And like we had a little kid with us, so you know you start jumping up and down, waving your hand. They're like, "All right, you come out here." <laughs> All right, come on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that uh, episode of Buddy versus Duff real quick because. And funny enough, with you guys talking about all those experiences, those are all the rides and stuff that they ended up going to see in for their inspiration for doing um, that particular competition. Uh, only difference is, is that they went, to, they were in Disneyland uh, because they were over in California during that episode uh, versus going to Disney World, you know, down in Florida. So mm-hmm. only real difference, though. But, you know, basically the experiences that Platy and Pendy shared, you know, those were part of the inspiration for this particular episode of Buddy versus Duff I was talking about. But anyway... Uh, Brewerian, do you have anything for Star Wars theme park experiences, or do you I've just want to talk about Picard again? I've never <laughs> actually been to a Star Wars uh, theme park, any anything at all. Like I've seen the movies on VHS, I've played a couple of video games, and that's really where my experience with Star Wars as a franchise begins and ends. Terrific. <laughs> Um, I, I I have been interested in going to see uh, the stuff at Disney. I might get a chance to see that next year if the world stops burning. 
but we'll uh, we'll see on that front. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, six months from now, I can probably regale you on that front. But as of <laughs> now, I, I mean, I went to Disney once in the last few years when uh, you know they already own Star Wars, so there's Star Wars stuff littered throughout it. But I've not been to any content specifically geared Star Wars. Come and see our stuff. Okay. <laughs> Well, I guess on that note, since you actually brought up video games, let's go ahead and jump on to the next little point. Um, let's talk about some Star Wars video games or toys that you might have had. Uh, you mentioned some video games experiences. So, Brurian, what are your Star Wars uh, video game? Um, uh, I don't want to use experiences again. Your adventures through the video games of Star Wars. How about that? Uh, one of my first experiences was the Return of the Jedi game for the Super Nintendo way, way, way back in the day. Or I think it was just called Super Star Wars, right? I'm Aren't pretty those sure games, it was. like, notoriously hard? Yeah, I don't remember it being easy. Uh, but I remember playing Super Star Wars on the Super Nintendo, and then I didn't really touch oh, anything yes. again. Yeah, I didn't really touch... That's uh, rough. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really mess with any more Star Wars games until Force Unleashed came out in the 360 PS3 era, which those were oh, fantastic games. They were so good. Um, no, wait, Battlefront. Battlefront was on, like, the PS2 era. I did play a lot yes. of that with friends. Uh, I didn't own a copy myself. It was one of those. I'd go over to someone's house and play it. But... Mm -hmm. Um, never really did anything in the Lego Star Wars front. Uh, I think I played the demo of Star Wars Rogue, uh, Rogue Leader on the GameCube when the GameCube was brand new. But the heavy crux of my Star Wars experience was the Force Unleashed games, big time. I was those were such good looking games, and just the whole scene where Star Killer pulls down that star cruiser yeah that was that was a uh, primo shit right there <laughs> i haven't played a star wars game since <laughs> what you didn't play any of those masterfully made um new battlefront games that ea put out with loot boxes no i don't play ea games for that reason <laughs> <laughs> probably this probably a safe call <laughs> oh oh i didn't i keep remembering things but yeah I, d I did do a lot of the movie battles with friends to where we would jump on a server and just and just go to go to town and Star Wars style death matches and stuff like that. But um yeah, it's all over the place. I mean they they've been making Star Wars games for what, forty years at this point. So Yeah, I'm sure there probably are some like uh uh oh what, what were the like Tiger Electronic games or something like that. You know, little those old like handheld little battery operated ones. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I had a bunch oh, of those. Definitely. Yeah, I do. I do remember. Uh, I never got to play it, but I remember seeing a Star Wars game on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. But as a kid, <laughs> you want you want to play everything. So. <laughs> so actually, that ties in. That might tie into the game. One of the games I was going to talk about was that. Are you referring to the one? Because I don't know if there was more than one, but there was a. Uh, an Atari game about Atari, uh, em the Empire Strikes Back, where you get to fight the At-Ats. Is that what you're talking about, or are you talking about another one? No, no, this one was all about lightsaber battles. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, that's more or less where the buck stops with me on it. So, how about you, Pindy? Why don't, why don't, you, why don't you continue on with that thought? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the, the Star Wars game that I played first uh, when I was growing up was one of the Atari games, and it was simply em The Empire Strikes Back. Like a lot of Atari games, there wasn't much to it, very simple. Uh, you simply you go around a little airspeeder, and you try and shoot down the at-ats uh, during like the battle, the battle of Hoth on the ice planet. 
Uh, super simple, but it was a ton of fun when I was in elementary school growing up. I liked I liked it a lot. Uh, another thing that I always uh, that I loved uh, when I was playing uh, video games when it came to Star Wars is that they had some Star Wars uh, guest characters in Soul Calibur Four. Uh, oh yeah! <laughs> oh, that's right. They did do that. Yeah, yeah, and that that actually uh, ties into the Force and Force Unleashed uh, because. They had the main character from the Force Unleashed in all the uh, versions of the Soul Calibur 4 games. They had Darth Vader was a PlayStation exclusive, and then Yoda was a, the Xbox exclusive, at least for a little bit. They did for a while. They made it so that you could, uh, like, for example, on the PlayStation, in the PlayStation Store, they made it so that you could buy uh, Yoda and add him to your lineup. And then the same thing for the Xbox where you could get Darth Vader. For so the they low, had low price of four ninety nine. But, uh, yeah, I, I loved, uh, I had the PlayStation version, and I loved playing with uh, Darth Vader. He was so much fun to play to play as. Uh, I mean, that character can be a little slow and clunky in the game, but so it's so fun to pull off all his moves. Uh, he, he's got all the Force moves and lightsaber moves, and I, I just really enjoyed the Star Wars characters and, and the stage that they made for the game. That You're like in a lo- loading dock for... Uh, uh, one of the Star Destroyers in the game for that level, and they got Star Wars music in the background. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah, I experienced um, Soul Calibur 4 with the Xbox 360 version at a friend's house, and I gotta tell you, it was actually Very really fun. It, it was fun to play as Yoda, just yeah. because, for one, he's super short compared to all the other characters, but Yoda <laughs> also is a little awkward to control, kind of like Darth Vader, you know? But if you yeah. can pull it off with some of his stuff, like, you can... You know, dish out the damage real quick if you know what like button combinations to do and what directions to push in. Yeah, there was a little more to both those characters. You had to know what you're doing. You couldn't button mash with them so much. Uh, Yoda mm-hmm. a little bit, but because um, Soul, Soul Calibur can can is kind of known for being able to kind of button mash your way through some stuff, but not not with the especially not with the Darth Vader character. You had to kind of know what you were doing. So yeah, Yoda was super him. slow, so you had to be careful yep. with him. Yeah. It was always fun, though. That's kind of where I started doing the Yoda voices like a joke. Because whenever I'd pick Yoda uh, just to mess around with him, I'd always be like, Mmm, fight you, I will. Suck you do at fighting Yoda, you do. Hit me, you must beat me. <laughs> of course, then my <laughs> one of my friends, uh, he was really into Soul Calibur. And he made, like, this special version of uh, Callum in the game. Well, whenever he would get really, like, kind of like, you know, like, we broke the camel's back. It's time to break out the wild, or the big guns. He would get this uh, special Talon that he made uh, and use that ca- uh, version of her, which I think had, like, healing abilities, too, whenever she hit you with her weapons. He would always do that, and it's like, mm, little girl angry she is. <laughs> uh, it was always kind of funny just to joke about that. And that's kind of where I started doing the Yoda voices, um... Just when messing around with that character, it was too much. It was too easy. It's too. It's too much fun just to be silly with that, you know. <laughs> but um, oh, de- definitely, yeah. If you, it, I mean, even if you, if you did the Yoda voice, it's just so much fun. You ha- you can have so much fun with that. But um, since I guess I'm talking about um that experience, I'll jump into mine real quick. I didn't really have any toys of the series when I was growing up, uh, but I did have a video game that I would play every now and then. Uh, it was um. Rogue Squadron on the Nintendo 64. I believe it also was on the uh, computer as well, like a PC release, but I had the N64 one. I think if I remember right, I got my copy from my cousin who didn't want his anymore, and he, 
I, as, as when I was a little kid, so it's hard to remember exact details, but I think he gave his copy either to my dad or he just kind of left it uh, at our house one time and he just never really came back for it. He was a few years older than I was. Um, so I just, you know, by chance, got the game in my uh, little collection of N64 games as a kid. I was never very good at the game, but I really enjoyed how the game, you know, opened up with that. Like, to me, one of the things I, one of the pieces of music I always think of with Star Wars is the Rogue Squadron uh, theme. When you start it up, you can find it on YouTube or, you know, if you just type in Rogue Squadron N64 theme. Uh, it's the title screen theme. You get this cool little, like, um, uh, computer room of sorts that shows you visuals of like the missions you're going to go on. You get descriptions, you get these little pictures, you get full descriptions, like, like not just text descriptions either, like full audio descriptions of the different ships you can pilot. Uh, there were cheat codes. You can unlock some other ships as well, like the Millennium Falcon. Uh, you could end up uh, flying a TIE fighter if you wanted to. Uh, there was even one that lets you unlock um, the yellow, I think it's called the Naboo flighter or the Naboo fighter, whatever they call that. It's the yellow one that was from the prequel movies. Uh, the one that um, Anakin uh, flies around in one of the yep. fights, one of the fight scenes. Uh, that's an option you can get. There was also a cheat code to actually let you fly around in a convertible. <laughs> it replaced the model either for the, I think it was either replaced the model for the X-Wing or it replaced the model for the TIE fighter. If you type in the same password twice, but it, it would actually end up causing the game to crash. If you pause the game, <laughs> <laughs> I so love I love old you... cheat codes like that. Yeah. So it was a really cool cheat code because you're basically flying around in a flying car, but you can't pause. <laughs> so you better beat the level one try. <clears throat> but um, I remember I was not very good at the game, but I really enjoyed the cutscenes and you know hearing all this fully you know voice dialogue, which is one of the first times that I can think of uh, when I played a video game that would have that sort of thing. Or, excuse me, that had that sort of thing. And even though I was not very good at playing it when I was younger, I still just enjoyed messing around in the levels and, you know, seeing if I could beat, you know, certain ones. Like, I remember for the longest time I could never get past uh, the volcano level towards the end of the game. There's this big, um, I don't remember if it's a satellite or the defense system, but it's this big, like, black object floating in the sky. You have to take down all of these uh, shield generators around the volcano area before you can take down... Um, you know, again, this big black floating object, which I believe is like a power source for the Empire of sorts. Uh, I remember for the longest time I could never get past it as a kid. But eventually when I got older and went back to, you know, was going through some of my N64 games, I decided to get pick that game up again. Like really, you know, figure out how to actually properly play it instead of me just messing around with the buttons, seeing what worked and what didn't work when I was a little kid. And I ended up getting like gold medals on a lot of the stages. I finally was able to beat the game, which was really exciting for, for the long, cause it was a game that, you know, had the longest time. I can never beat it. And, you know, I, I don't think this game has ever gotten any sort of re-release or anything, but if you can, you know, find a way to play rogue squadron, uh, the original one, whether it's on the N64, or if you can, you know, play it on your PC, uh, via the PC version, whether it's, you know, um, you know, legal emulation, whatever you got to do. It, it is a fun game to check out. And it is a lot of fun. You know, it's, Good look. I think that this game takes place between episode four and five, if I remember correctly, like story timeline wise. Because at this point, like Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker is leading um, what's called Rogue Squadron, which are like these, you know, elite group of uh, pilots. Because I mean, you have characters from the movie like um, his oh, was was it Wedge that survived the the, the uh, Death Star run, or was it Big? Yes, that was Wedge. Big's Big's Wedge. Uh, okay. the big one. So Wedge is part of the group, too, when he's flying around. They end up uh, recruiting a former, well, she becomes a former Imperial uh, tr uh, trooper 
I forget her name, unfortunately, but like she like lets them in on some of like the Empire's um, like secret bases that they have where they're building all of the walkers and the AT-ATs. Uh, she lets them in on where like there's a prison train where they have where they have to try and rescue Wedge then. And, um, you know, there's just a um, few other little shouts here and references. And I like how as you play the game, too, like the story kind of ramps up. Like at the beginning, it's just more simple missions but as rogue squadron builds up a name for themselves you get to go on to bigger better things you know you start going after the empire more and more and then finally in like the last part of the game oddly enough the last mission you don't play as luke skywalker and his group you actually play as wedge uh going onto another planet it's really weird like it just kind of drops luke and then it's like oh you've been playing as him the whole time but eh, you know what we're gonna throw you on another mission now for the very last one. Enjoy. So, are we talking about Star- we're talking about Wedge and Biggs? Are we talking about Star Wars? Or are we talking about Final Fantasy here? <laughs> yeah, I saw that brewery. You mute. <laughs> hey, mouth- that, be- that, that was supposed to be private. That's <laughs> <laughs> too bad. You want to keep bringing up Star Trek for now? <laughs> but no, that's cool. I didn't because you had mentioned in the chat that you didn't you didn't realize that that's, I, didn't, that's... I didn't actually know because i've always known biggs and wedge from final oh Fantasy. i thought that was just sarcasm man no no that was not sarcasm <laughs> oh that's that's pretty cool you learned something today that's great but yeah that's where they that's where they come from oops <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were just being sarcastic that's why i called you out that's <laughs> uh I'm well, I didn't, I didn't realize that for, for sure now. <laughs> I didn't realize that for the longest time either because like they're kind of minor characters. I mean, Wedge does kind of pop up uh, throughout the uh, throughout the, the trilogy, and he's even at the the end and uh, that celebration scene. But yeah, that's where they. But Biggs isn't in it, in there for for long, so it's very easily uh, overlooked. But yeah, that's that's where they those reoccurring characters come from. Those names. Um, I also want to mention the. Uh, I actually did play the uh, Legos. Lego Star Wars game. Uh, I'm just going to stick to like the original like games based off the original trilogy. Uh, but yeah, Lego Star Wars 2 uh, covered the original trilogy, and uh, it's a lot of fun if you ever get a chance to uh, play it. I mean, it, I mean, it's kind of like with the Lego games. You played one, you played played them all, kind of thing. But still, if you like that the that those game mechanics that come with those Lego games, it's it's a lot of fun. They have a lot of good humor that they inserted into the game as it goes progresses through the story of all the three movies. Uh, so it was, it was really cool. Uh, as far as toy Star Wars toys go, I didn't really have any of the toys growing up, but my older cousins did. Uh, they had uh, from back in the day. They had like an old Millennium Falcon toy and some of the the characters. So I got to play with those when I was a little kid. Whenever I went to my aunt's house, so that was that was always fun. Yeah, and I mainly uh, I was kind of like you. I didn't have many of the toys. I had these two friends growing up. Like my best two friends. Both were pretty wealthy. And between the two of them, I remember by the time like we were in high school, they had together like gone through catalogs and everything. And like they used to go out searching at garage sales and everything. They had managed to like amass everything that was made in the 80s. Like they had checked off every box between the two of them. And I mean, gosh, even into the 2000s, I know um, my one buddy, he became an endodontist and he got his first house and he invited me over and he's like this massive 4,000 square foot four bedroom monstrosity and it had zero furniture in it. <laughs> he still had like his bed from college. His TV was on a 
round wooden table that when I looked at it, I'm like, holy shit, did you grab that from the side of the road? Like, the spools that the guys hang the telephone wires? He's like, I sure did. <laughs> He's oh, making geez, like quarter million dollars things. a year. But he had put all of his college furniture mainly in one of the spare bedrooms. And what did he de- decorate that whole bedroom with? He still got all his Star Wars figures and by now, 2000, you know, the new trilogy's coming out, and he's got them all in, still in their original boxes. I was like, oh, man, you are <laughs> you are still way deep into this. And uh, he used to get mad at another friend who would always open them and have them posed. It's like, why did you open that box? You should have never opened that box. NRFB. <laughs> NRFB. Yeah. And, and then me, I had um, a couple sets from the Hoth collection, because I remember having these two white base plates that I could like stick some figures on and had a gun turret or whatever from um, episode five. But I like the my prize collection was something I got for like five dollars at a church rummage sale. I had an ad at and it I used see. to like fire, I guess, have sounds. But I always put new batteries in it. It never worked. So something was wrong with it there. And it was like missing the door that slid closed. But I mean, the thing stood three feet tall and was like three feet long. It was just so awesome to play with like the five characters I ever had. but um you know talking about the star wars games i do remember um that super nintendo one i did try playing it again a couple years ago when i got um some little emulation machine we had hooked up to the tv and i do remember that tried it out never really got past like second or third world or even stage should i say like yikes that that's hard but, I mean, I did sink probably a good 100, 200 hours into the PC in the mid-90s. The uh, X-Wing and the, then the TIE Fighter games that came out, the flying simulators. Oh, I heard those were, were fantastic. Oh, yeah. They, yeah I've not yeah. heard a bad thing about those games. No, I mean, I enjoyed X-Wing. It was a little clunky. <laughs> Um, gosh, I could probably still to this day hit the S button and rotate my shields um, <laughs> around on my fighters and, and X-Wing. What? We, we lost you for a little bit there, Platy. You said, uh, I heard you oh. say your shield thing, but then you cut off for a little bit. You lost Sorry. your shield. I, I lost my shield. Shield's down. Shield's Dad, down. The tie, <laughs> I think TIE Fighter came out in like 95 or it was like a year and a half after X-Wing and it was just so much better. It was so awesome. I, I can't remember what upgrades it had, but it was easier to target things and whatnot. And I just remember, I mean, I could beat a lot of the, I got really good at it and I could beat a lot of the missions really easily. But there was always like these bonus missions that were bonus challenges you could do in each mission. Like, yeah, maybe you needed to escort um, an Imperial shuttle from point A to point B. Oh, escort missions are always the, the worst. Yeah. But, you know, you could get, like, an extra gold medal achievement or something like that if you blew up the uh, Mon Calamari carrier that was there. And you're in this, like, freaking little <laughs> TIE fighter. But, I, I mean, I would do, like, strafing runs, and you could see their shield levels as you're pulling up on them. And I'd, like, do a strafing run and watch the shield level go down from, like, 99 to 98%. <laughs> and I would just keep doing that over and over and over again. That was, like, my favorite thing to do, just spend an hour on one stinking mission that I, like, technically beat, but I keep playing over. I'm like, no, no, no. My B-Wing can take out the Star Destroyer. I know it can. Because you could actually blow off weapons, housings, and everything. It They were really good. They were really good. And honestly, oh, I did play Battlefield 
on the uh, the old PS2. I did played the first one. Um, remembered wanting to get into the second one, and then just I don't know. I, I remember like looking it, it on eBay. Happen. It never happened, and honestly, I never played another uh, Star Wars game in 17 years. Kind of like again, like I was reading all those books in the 90s and the early 2000s, and it was just like, eh, you know, I th- I th- what I think it was, the PS2 just had so many awesome RPGs on it, and then the DS came out, and man, that's where I just started getting into RPGs almost exclusively at that point on. Anybody ever play Knights of the Old Republic? Was that the no, MMO? That was the MMO, right? Was it an MMO? Oh, the, the Old Republic was the MMO. Knights of, Knights of the Old Republic was the Xbox original Xbox, like yeah, duology. Yes. Yeah. yeah, one I of those. Never... Repu- I never played through it myself. I sat at a friend's house and watched him play through the entire game, though. Oh my! Over the course yeah, I'm pretty of weeks. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure one of those uh, game. I can't remember which one it was, but I think Bioware originally made a set of star wars games it, i think it was either one of the, the online mmo or it was bioware did do the old or it was knights of the old republic they did okay they did yeah. do Knights of the old republic okay i remember that was a pretty big deal i remember when um what was it mass effect was coming out that people talked about how you know they had experience with space stories and things like that and it's like that's why i found out that they did the knights of the old republic and stuff like that yeah technically though the old republic is knights of the old republic 3 I've, you ask the wrong person, they'll get upset. But oh, okay. <laughs> one of the, it's one of those touchy conversation pieces. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I gave the first one a try at some point. I remember buying it on the PC for like dirt cheap, and I think this might have been like around 2008, 2009, and I gave it a few days few hours and just was like eh. i didn't I've, I've never liked playing a game like that on the pc oh just like a story driven game like that yep yeah i, I get you and it i wasn't myself turn based yeah <laughs> it wasn't a turn based solid turn based it kind of was but kind of wasn't it, it, at the same time yeah but yeah video games video games what else you got for us yangus well, I don't really have anything else for like toys or video games. I I did remember though, um, for tour wise that tour wise for toy wise that I did have a few little things when I was a little kid. They were just I don't know what time like what time like movie wise they would have been out for. Probably the prequel trilogy or something like that. But um, they're just like little figures of different characters from like the prequel movies or like different scenes. Like I know like one of the things I have is like that uh, Wampa creature that, um, you know, is on the planet Hoth that captures Luke, the big like snowy creature. Um, I think that's what they're called is a Wampa. But I think um, you're right. uh, Anyway, like it was them. And there's like Han Solo, you know, dressed up in that, um, you know, snow gear that he wears. I had Mm -hmm. one that was uh, Darth Vader. Um, There was... I think one of the little figure sets that I had gotten when I was a kid was, um, I don't remember his character name, but it's the character that Samuel L. Jackson played in the prequel trilogy. And there's that, like that big three horned, almost rhino looking creature in that arena from the second one, like that big Coliseum pit where all the creatures are unleashed and they got to like fight their way out of there. Um, don't know the name of that creature, unfortunately, so I can't really tell you. Like a, a cre- like a silly creature name, like the Wampo or the Jim Jar or something. <laughs> but um, I, I do remember that I have those. But yeah, otherwise, 
pretty much my video game experience was just Rogue Squadron. I haven't really played anything else. I remember seeing a buddy play a bit of one of the Force Awakens games, but I never played it myself. I just wasn't really interested. So I guess on that note, we should finish things off with uh, any uh, any additional scenes or you know effects from these movies, uh, the original trilogy that we want to talk about. Any like points that we didn't mention before? Uh, so I just wanted to to add that. Uh... You know, most of the additional scenes and effects and changes that they've made over the years, I've never really been a big fan of them. I mean, Lucas obviously has every right to mess with his creation, uh, but I, just my personal opinion, it doesn't make him any less of a jerk for not including the original cut of the films as an option for people to watch or buy somehow or some way, But which is unfortunate. But oh well. Oh. Yeah, it is weird to me that after all these years that, like especially ever since Disney took over the brand, that they've never been like, you know, we're going to release the original trilogy just for the heck of it. Like, even if they just did it on Disney Plus, just so people could, you know, compare the two or something. Yeah, they it's they just seem to keep it weirdly gated behind, you know, secondhand market of people who have copies of, you know, the now hard-to-come-by theatrical cuts, like the VHSs I have, for example. I'll never let those things go now, knowing that it's basically impossible to get another cut of those movies. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, you find them somewhere. I bet you I bet you it's in his will that like when he dies, like he somehow he's gonna make it so that like I'm still not gonna let whoever owns it at the time <laughs> at least the, the original theatrical cuts because I hate them so much. It's like, come on, dude, what the what the hell? Come on, fat. come on, man. Hey, when I showed the uh, series to my kids I think we did it maybe last summer um, after the pandemic was wearing down on us for a couple months, not really going anywhere. We sat and did the entire thing straight through over the course of a couple weeks, and we went in numerical order. We watched one, two, and three um, before we got to these. And it's interesting how my now five-year-old son can still, like, say things from that movie like a year later. And he hasn't watched it since he was, like, three and a half, four years old. Oh, wow. And, like, I got the original theatrical cuts, so yeah, I haven't seen these special effects probably since the late 90s um, when I think somebody had the updated versions. I've never owned these. I don't own any movies, really. Um, but, it, it yeah, it, it, they're memorable, and the extra stuff, whatever. Couldn't care less, really, about it. Luckily, I've managed to avoid it all. For the most part, not same, as not as holy here. as Brewerian, but oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> more so than it sounds like uh, either Pendy or uh, Yangus has. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing seeing the changes, but at the same time, should I just live in this forever bubble of purity, as some would they say? Don't exist. Yeah, I mean, if, honestly, with like when I've seen some comparison stuff, like for New Hope, for example, it's mainly just them adding a few like extra little background characters here and there. Yeah. With the CGI. It's nothing where it's like, you know, they completely like reorder something in the film or, you know, some shit like that, you know? They just stick out like a sore thumb, though. They don't. Yeah, it, it looks, it looks weird. I won't, I won't deny that. <laughs> but it's not where it's like, oh my God, they, you know, completely. It's, I will say it's not like, um, oh, what movie is that? E.T., where like all of the guns turn into walkie talkies. It's not oh, like yeah. That. <laughs> that, yeah, that. That was it's not quite that extreme. <laughs> I, there's a huge reference to that. I was looking up the Han shot first stuff, and there was a web page, and they totally referenced that too. <laughs> All right, are we about done, Yangus? 
I do believe so. Oh, oh, there, there was, there was one so more thing. done we are. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I guess the last thing that I wanted to say about this is, uh, I did want to go into while Kirk and Picard were really good captains, I would like to say oh why God. Janeway well, and Matt Well, that's it this episode of Slime Time Science Quest. Like Here's the comedian of the pilot episode. for being here. It's not so much for It was a big crap. Oh, man. Boy, I can't wait to listen to this part back on... I can't wait to listen to this back, like, over on... The, nope, uh, I didn't hear a single, single thing he said. I was just talking. <laughs> yeah, I just can't wait to hear what that mess sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't hear you guys over the Yoda laugh. I just all I heard was me go. <laughs> we only know what we each said, but <laughs> you, you listeners, you heard it all. Sorry, congratulations. I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> you made it through the episode. Congratulations. <laughs> you did. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pendy, for uh, joining us from the desert again of Tatooine. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yes. And uh, with some of the video footage we were watching earlier, Burian, thank you for joining us from what, uh, wherever that fire planet was that uh, Anakin got sliced to bits on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, um, thank you for joining us tonight, guys. And it, it really was, we did have some pretty good conversations, I think. And I know that, you know, Barurian was kept throwing out the Star Trek jokes, but it, we were glad to have both you and Pendy on tonight. <laughs> I, think, I think we did have, you know, we all had plenty to say about Star Wars one way or another, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you might have noticed that the only time we ever mention the word Patreon on our podcast is when we say... We don't use Patreon. We are all just longtime fans that want to speak about the topics we know and love so much. If you have some money you would like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com slash den. Click on support this site, or you can click on his new Amazon affiliate link, and you can just buy anything you want on Amazon through there. You know, thinking about dropping $2,000 on a brand new fridge? Buy it through Amazon, get it delivered. You know, you can send it back, whatever, if you need to. I'm sure they got a 30-day return policy or whatnot. But uh, Woodus will get a couple pennies from that. It won't cost you anything. He's been owning and maintaining the Dragon's Den site for over 20 years, and I'm sure he would appreciate any donation or any uh, affiliate purchase that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any suggestions for a future SideQuest episode, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy via Platy M3 on Discord, on the Dragon's Den, or via his Twitter account. You can mm-hmm. also contact me uh, at Yangus Legendary Bandit, uh, also on the Dragon's Den or on Discord. Just search up my name or Platy's name. Uh, we do have a list full of ideas. We'd be happy to add any more to the list that you might um, have suggestion-wise. And for this week's, or I guess not this week's, geez, but this episode's uh, random tweet to send out, we're going to send one to Mr. Joshua Tomar, which is at, uh, his Twitter handle is at T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, or to- or Tomamoto, and send him a picture of a random Star Wars character and say, hey, Tomar, look, it's you. Doesn't matter if it's an alien, a human, whatever you want to pick out. Just pick something silly. (laughs) (laughs) And just make sure to include the message, hey, Tomar, it's you. (laughs) Oh, boy. One day. One day this is all going to come back and bite us. 
but for I now, probably will. I hope it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to, I want to know if this actually does anything. <laughs> I, but I for now, like all the, I'm going to say, <laughs> guys, I've picked out for these jokes that they could, they'll, they'll get the sense of humor and they'll just be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I, I hope they do anyway. Otherwise, they're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'm gonna leave you with two words. Bye, everyone. Side quest completed. Is. <laughs>